From downtown, this is Tim Kitsa from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka. This week on Nintendo Main, we have Kevin Hanley here to talk to us about Nescape. Can't see a thing. Anime attacks my game time. Podcast episode 354, your place to hear Nintendo fans talk with Nintendo, actual Nintendo game creators like we have here. And we are your hosts. I'm Trey Team Sour Fail Johnson. I'm Jeremy Eldenmont Mikowski. I'm John Titan Knitter. And we have a special guest this week Kevin Cahan Games Hanley. What's up, Kevin? Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We were talking a little bit before the show about um, like how how Jeremy and I we kind of just we kind of just know of you from talk of others, but I don't think we've actually ever talked directly to you before. I was listening to we did some interviews at MGC Midwest Gaming Classic back in 2018, and I thought I had talked to you, but I, I guess we just kind of talked around you, and you just had been mentioned, and I knew that uh, the Nescape was in the background during all of this, but we talked to we talked to Bo and uh, Mibblers, right? Mm-hmm. Mibblers. Yeah, and it's yep. a so so goose production. And then I realized while we were recording that that you also have a podcast, which is uh, yeah, Bo and I uh, have the assembly line. Yep. Yeah, and you have a Patreon as well. If you want to let let everybody know at the beginning here, like where you know where they can find. Uh, that. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, for since we started the podcast, you know, as you know, I'm sure there are hosting fees associated with hosting all the MP3s and everything. So um, we set up a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash NES Assembly Line. Um, to just try to help collect money to offset the cost of the podcast. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of uh, yeah. We have a we have a similar thing just for you know Definitely. for for extra extra shows and stuff like that. Yeah, and I listened to uh, I listened to like half of the uh, the Nescape episode last night. <laughs> yeah, our, our episodes run pretty long. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was you know I, I was I was listening to it, but I was also kind of playing the game at the same time, so I had to pause it because there's some of the uh, audio cues and stuff in there that you, that you need to hear. But mm-hmm. I, but I think I think all of us have played it in some way. Um, I know we got yep. uh, I got I got a code from Eight uh, Bit Legit, who's um, uh, Tim is involved with that from Retrotainment. So that's so that's mm-hmm. cool. Got an email about that, okay. so we responded and we got a code. And I gave John the code. Uh, I think Jeremy had it on computer. I actually bought I bought the Mac version because I didn't realize that the Switch version wasn't coming out till Friday, and I wanted uh, to make sure and play it before uh, before the show. So so I just got it for Mac, and it works it works fine. Except for I found out later that there's that the ending's different. The the that you changed you changed the ending there a little bit. Which oh, I kind of yeah. had, had figured out on my own. Oh, I haven't made it to the end yet. Yeah, there, there's some audio cues in the game, and um, we found that um, the, the last one was just kind of hard to make out in the NES version. So uh, to try to make it a little easier for the wider audience, uh, we changed a, a little bit of the ending there. Because we, we got a press kit with the with the code saying that had kind of like a, a walkthrough included in it, you know, which mm-hmm. some, I mean, the game, 
I'll just say off the bat, I'm not I'm not the best at a uh, point and click style games. They're not really they're not really my forte. So and and this game has like a, t- a ticking clock that goes like through the whole thing. So you only what do you get like just like it's just an hour, right? Or just a little bit over an hour, I think. One hour. Yeah, just an hour. Um, we tried to model it uh, after real life escape rooms um, as far as time limit goes, and all the ones I've ever done were an hour. That's about, yeah, I've done a few. I did want to say the way I acquired the game I thought was kind of cool. You actually sent me the ROM as uh, you were wanting people to vote in 2020. And you said, oh, wow. And I can't remember what exactly you wanted for proof, or maybe you were just like, tell me you voted. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't need any proof. Uh, just the fact that I wanted people to get out and vote, you know. So uh, yeah, I, I did vote, heard. I promise. But yeah, you sent me the ROMs. And, uh, <laughs> that's how I was well, able to awesome. play it through an emulator through the NES and I'm going to try to get it onto my SNES EverDrive if I can figure out how to get that to run an NES emulator. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think yeah. I read, I, I think I read somewhere or maybe I heard it on the podcast. You can, it's possible to use the Super Nintendo mouse with mm-hmm. it somehow, right? Like for the original version of yeah. it? Yeah. So there's a there's a website uh, called RafNet. They do different adapters. Um, and they actually released um, an NES to Super Nintendo adapter. So you can basically use a Super Nintendo controller on a Nintendo. Um, and I took it a step further to where you can hook up the Mario Paint mouse to the NES oh. and actually control the game. Nice. That, did that require any extra fiddling to get get it recognized as a mouse not a uh, there there's a bit uh that the nes can read to basically know that the mouse is connected so i just look for that bit it sees that it's a mouse and then it skips to just reading the mouse code oh wow that's pretty cool I, so anything any nes or snes controller could be ported back with this adapter to the mm-hmm. NES. yeah and there's some rpgs that are being made right now to sort of take advantage of that um some nes rpgs just to use a super nintendo controller you know, it's a lot easier than having to, you know, fiddle through different menus to do different things. For anybody, I, I guess we haven't really, like, said, like, what the product is and all that. We kind of just, like, jumped into parts of it. But basically what we, yeah, main reason we wanted to have you on the show is uh, this game that you've made, uh, Nescape, any escape, uh, however you want to pronounce it, is basically, like you are saying, it's an escape room game for that was made originally for the Nintendo. Like, you developed it as, like the hard cartridge like for the for the original nes correct yeah exactly um my my friends and i are pretty i wouldn't say fanatical but we we love escape rooms every year for my birthday my friends know what the deal is we're going to an escape room um and they've just become so more and more popular you know over the past Mm -hmm. decade that there's really no shortage of rooms to do um so uh i wanted to sort of take that you know the enjoyment that we get out of doing real escape rooms and and try to (laughs) recreate that on my favorite uh, game system. So yeah, the, it, it originally came out for the NES. Yeah, there, there's there's some in, some impressive like sprite detail for sure in, in the game. Like, and I felt like uh, when you know when Jeremy and I when we first like came upon like you know Midwest Gaming Classic and seeing people who are making like newer games for NES and all that, I always felt like a lot of it was like, well, let's try to do more stuff that maybe wasn't done at the time because you know there wasn't as much. Maybe because it stopped at a certain certain year, like you know, there wasn't as much development, or I always felt like you like a lot of the people who were making like homebrew stuff for NES was trying to like push it farther than it actually had gone at the time. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, game just the way games are played these days, um, gaming has progressed so far that there's so many new ideas that just didn't exist for video games back then. So getting to sort of go back and and create new experiences is a lot of fun. And uh, and the great thing is um. Now you don't have to just play uh, Nescape 
on on an actual NES. Now it's coming to uh, this. Well, at, as, at the day that this episode posts, so Friday right now, if you're listening to it, it'll be available for the Switch and the X and Xbox, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yep, Kevin. How how would you, how do you pronounce the name of the game? Uh, I always called it Any Escape because NES. S starts escape, so it's kind of a wordplay. I always enjoyed that, but people started okay. pronouncing it as an escape. Um, and I just like my name, Khan Games. People say Con Games. At some point, you just gotta let people. You know, it's theirs now. They can call it what <laughs> <Yeah>. they want. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I thought that for a second when I saw it. I was like Con, and I'm like, no, no, it's Khan. Like, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, it's a nickname I was given. You know, first letter of Kevin and first three letters of Hanley. Khan. Sure. Are you, uh, I'm sure this is a complete side note, but are you a Pedro the Lion fan since your name is Pedro oh, the Kevin? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my, my uh, wife big, is a huge fan. We've, we've, seen, we've seen him play multiple times. Yeah, he's, all over he's great. Place. I'm glad that he's still doing it. Yeah, no, he's great. He's, he's very cool. Yeah, we've seen like, we do like watch like live streams and we've been to like, uh, you know, like uh, the small like uh, living room shows and stuff like that. We've Does she of, have a favorite album? Oh, I don't know. It's all kind of blended together because we listen to most of it. But uh, what was it? Phoenix was pretty good. That was one of the newer ones. Yeah, one of the newer ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of yeah, it's become a thing. Like it's it's cool because uh, yeah, it's a band you're into before that was like a Christian band, and he's actually like become non-Christian now, and he's actually kind right. of like he kind of grew up with everybody with all of his fans, you know. So he it's did kind it of cool. He kind of came out of it, and and yeah, mm-hmm. and he like changes his songs still, like still alters the lyrics every time you hear it will be different which i think is interesting yeah he's great i i created that email address way back in like <laughs> 99 or something long time ago yeah yeah on the subject of music i have to say that the song from your game has been playing in my head since i started oh. playing the game it's very yeah. catchy it's it's crazy if you don't mind me just go ahead um, sure going on a, a brief tangent yeah, um, yeah, you, you mentioned the graphics um and now the music both the the artist uh who also lives in detroit john uh, and oh, yeah. his name is also john spelled the same um oh. the both the musician and the artist it was their first game that they had ever worked on so um the, to hear you guys compliment both of those things i agree um they did a, a, a heck of a job it's amazing i think some of the like i don't want to like talk down on any of like the homebrew stuff i've seen but a lot of early homebrew stuff you know was pretty basic and it's just like this looks like a full-scale mm-hmm. like nes release from probably the later days of NES, like yeah and i mean the scene itself um progressed over time you know at first everyone kind of had to figure out how things were done and to do that they just made basic projects to sort of expand on on small ideas so it's just the natural progression of the scene i mean the games that are being made these days for the nes are so elaborate i don't know if you guys have looked at that full quiet game that just came out through retrotainment games uh, you mentioned tim oh it's out um, from 8-bit legit yeah it uh, they they shipped it to all the the Kickstarter backers, so it's it's like a sixty hour game, like it's stupid long, well, like it's, it's crazy how elaborate these games oh are. Man, I want to play that. It's like a Resident Evil type thing, right? It's like trying to do like a survival horror on on NES. It's what exactly? Uh, yeah, I remember talking to them about that. I've never actually played it. But uh, but yeah, you I, get the I, chance. Highly recommend it. Whenever it comes to Switch or somewhere that I, you know, I, I haven't gone to. Yeah, I haven't been on, gone gone to MGC for a while, and you know, most of the time I can't afford to buy the full cartridge. But I always right. I always want to get one of them at least of one of the homebrews. But no, I, I thought it sounded very cool from what I heard about it. But yeah, definitely. I speaking of things you can't really do on the NES originally. <laughs> I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say. I don't know if it's possible for me to. I'll, I'll cut this out of the podcast. Is it possible for me to use the music from uh, from the game, like on the episode? Like, 
Is, yeah, is there a link please. where I can download it or I can I can send money to the, uh, yeah, to the writer too on, or whatever uh, if I have to? I believe it's on Bandcamp. Uh, okay. I will definitely get you that link. Or at least like let me know like who the person is so I can look him look it up. Travis Nelson uh, is the musician. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, and and it and the music changes, right? Like every time you I don't know how far uh, Jeremy and John got into it. I actually, I played all the way through to the end, but I did use some help from the from the guide because, like I said, the ticking clock and some of the point and click stuff was like driving me insane. So some of it, <laughs> and and when you get and some of it, like when you get far enough, you don't want to start over and do it again. You know, even though right. I even though I did, I had, I played it twice before I made it all the way through. Yeah, because there's no saving. <laughs> exactly. But I think that I mean that that's supposed to give the idea of like the original like uh, Shadowgate like Deja Vu type games, right? Right, where you like it, you may exactly. be able to play through the whole game in a half hour, but the idea is that you spend years like trying to figure out each like puzzle for each like section and that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's a hard game. There, there's that term NES hard, and this yep. game is definitely that. We we didn't do any hand holding. We just throw you in. I mean, even the title screen has a puzzle on it. So that's true. Um, yeah, it I was so plain packed yeah. um, with puzzles and graphics that we didn't have a ton of room for for music. So. Uh, I think there's a song on the title screen, and then each of the four chapters of the game, uh, there's a unique song for each of those chapters. Yeah, because I remember this. I remember the music changing each time, which is cool. And uh, I mean, yeah, every time it. Uh, I don't know. Did did any of you get to like the second song, second or third song? I did on there. I played. I didn't uh, yet. I just looked. I didn't get too far into it. I did eventually have to look to find out how to turn the lights on, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I think. Uh, Everybody gets stuck on that, right? This is what I heard. Well, yeah, and for the Switch and Xbox release, um, for the first two chapters, I make the light switch flicker in the dark to make it easier oh, okay. to find. Okay, yeah. Just to just to try to orient the player a little bit because it, it yeah, it's so people use the word obtuse. I mean, we don't give you anything. We're just like, hey, here's a here's a black screen, figure it out. Yeah. See, at the um, time so, I didn't know I was, you know, rotating and you know, ninety degrees each yeah, time. Yeah, just going all the way. Yeah, same, the right. same for me, right? And, when, and once you've like rotated however many times in the darkness, you have no idea what yeah, wall you you're have on no or idea. where the other ones are or where to even point <laughs> at it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, uh, what's uh, what, uh, what's going on here? And I probably spent like thirty minutes trying to figure out the light switch, and and that was why so I, I got had some to, good I had news to start for you. again. Yeah, so I played on the Switch, and I had no problems with the light switch. Oh yeah, because you had it. I found because I found, cause I found the little flicker right away and flicked okay, it on. Yeah, uh, so what challenged me was the was the next puzzle. After that, I don't want to give anything away, but I was proud that after I, I think it took me probably fifteen or twenty minutes just to like really piece it all together. And you have to you know find uh, find you know what what what. So I'm, I'm gonna I, I played these kind of kind of games a lot. I like adventure games, puzzle games, and I know okay, I have to find like the similarities somewhere. Just find something that's kind of similar and piece it together and, and and then it's going to click that took me about 15 minutes or so 15 20 minutes it was like a lot a long time but it wasn't like it was like the i felt like the perfect amount of time for like a first introductory puzzle to to an adventure type game you know and then when i found it out and i discovered it i was i was glad because trey had already sent me the guide at that point and i i didn't look at the guide i was like yes i figured it out i didn't look at the guide that's cool. impressive. That first yeah. puzzle is pretty tough. Yeah, I think I know what you're you're talking about the paintings, right? And like the order the paintings, of the paintings. Yep. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to give full, you know. Sure. Not, I don't. Yeah, we That's don't. We don't want to completely spoil it, but but I did. Yeah, I did kind of figure that out as well, like as the order of them, because I think I originally tried to do it by like sides, you know. Yeah. Like where it's like what it's one, two, three, four. You know, you start from the one with the door 
with the light switch on it. So maybe that's one and then you go to four. Like that's what I was originally thinking. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been, have you ever been to like a escape room that actually has like four different walls like that? Cause I think that's a really cool idea. I don't know if anybody actually does that. No, I think that's more of a, just a limitation for the NES. It's cool um, though. I mean, I like, that's, yeah. that's a neat idea where you can, where you can, where it's, it's almost like four rooms, but they're all, you know, kind of connected and you can just turn from one to, I, I don't know. I think it's a good way to. Well, it creates like a more of a three-dimensional feel on the NES as well. Like an and old what, dungeon crawler sort of. Definitely. And what excited me about the idea of limiting it to four walls is that you're constantly dealing with the same objects throughout the game. So you get to see the room sort of, I think one of the reviews I read uh, described it as like a flower blooming. Like it just, it gradually changes throughout the game, but it's the same walls and you get to see, oh, I opened that box, you know, two chapters ago and there it still is sitting open. It's, it's really cool. And and there, and, and also like when, uh, I guess I'll, I mean, there's, there's whenever you'll figure out a thing and then they'll, you know, then like there'll be uh there's a change, you know, and then you come back to the room again. And it's, I, I like how there's, it kind of gives you an idea of what's happening and then you got to go find it again and figure out what it is. And then that's sort of right. thing. So. Yeah. I appreciate it too. Like, like when, you know, I open the box and like, uh, you know, step away and I come back some minutes later, the box is still open. Like we all know, uh, on the NES that didn't typically happen. Like you'd go one screen over Trey calls it the janitor. There's a secret janitor who yeah, comes janitor in and cleans, cleans up. things up every time you leave, he sets it back to one. Shut yeah, all the treasure so. chests. <laughs> but that's, but that's cool. Like, I, I like that, uh, you know, consistency made made it all the more believable this little eight bit world. Now I'm stoked that you guys played it. It kinda has to be too for like the way the the way the puzzle is. The way yeah. the way it works like that. And I think there's I think there's kind of like an eeriness to it too, especially like when you get to you know the parts where the where the levels change, like it's uh, or where the where the stuff changes in there. It's kinda like, oh wait, I didn't expect that. And and also the ticking clock of course is always like it's always scary because it's like, wait, I have to start over. And I, and I don't yeah. know if you can do, is is there any sort of save state or anything like that for the Switch version? Because the Mac one, there isn't at all. It's you just uh, play it or you don't play it. I don't it. believe we added any save states yeah. now. So it's like you can't really, I mean, you can like, you can hit escape to pause and that's about it. Yeah, you can use like sleep <laughs> mode, I guess, in Switch yeah. to yeah. take a mental break or something. But, but you uh, can't like exit. No, it's not called SNEScape or N64 escape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NES escape. There is no Nescape. And so you've uh, you've done a few. Uh, you've done some other NES stuff as well, right? Other than this, like um... yeah, I've been uh, programming for the NES since 2009. Uh, my first project was uh, NES is is strangely one of the only home console systems from that era that didn't have a Frogger port. So um, I decided to port uh, Frogger, the arcade version, over uh, to the NES as my first like learning project. Um, which is ridiculous because I had it's sort of naivety at the time. Like I don't, I, I didn't know anything about sprite limits, so like I have had to do all the graphics with background tiles mm. and splitting them all those different directions as a first project is just stupid hard. So anyway, trial by fire, I learned, and uh, you know, over time, I've done different things. I programmed, I ported the uh, original Leisure Suit Larry over to the NES, um, and. Um, yeah, just different projects. Uh, I just haven't stopped since 2009. Did you have any experience with programming before, or was that like you're going in real fresh? Uh, I had not. I didn't have any programming experience. I had, you know, I grew up in DOS. I was lucky enough to have a computer growing up that had DOS, so I was familiar with, you know, command line syntax and writing batch files and and sort of just learning that sort of basic stuff. But um, I came across a. Uh, a tutorial back in, I want to say like 2008, um, 
it's still in the infancy of the NES homebrews, you know, lifespan. But someone uh, posted a, a tutorial of just sort of learning how to program for the NES, and I've, I always wondered, you know, how games were made. So uh, I just sort of started at the beginning and worked my way through it. Um, and yeah, it's it's become a, a huge passion of mine now. I, I don't even remember what I used to do with my spare time before I started programming. Like <laughs> it's just it's consumed me. <laughs> what was the homebrew scene like at that time? Uh, physical NES games were just starting to come out. Um, b- back in that in that time, people were harvesting original games to make new games. Like they'd reflash they and reprom yeah. exactly. Um, so there was this whole debate in that in those early days. Like, are we mm-hmm. doing the right thing? You know, we're taking games out of circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so some really smart people, smarter than me, started making. Um, new hardware for the NES. So I think with that sort of birthed a lot of people coming in and developing interest. And the more people that come in to do it, the more good ideas are thrown around and it's just sort of exploded since then. I mean, I imagine it must be different. I'm, I'm assuming you've programmed for all different kinds of uh, systems and, and computers and things so like what is something that's kind of unique or different about the NES in particular? Uh, there aren't any libraries. I mean, ev- literally everything in the game has to be programmed, you know, from scratch, essentially. So, um, yeah, I, I know with a lot of like C programming, you sort of bring in libraries for, for even, you know, controller input and things like that. But for the NES, you're literally programming everything um, in assembly language. I, I know a lot of people program NES games in C because... Um, a lot of newer technology has been developed over the past 10 or 15 years. But um, back in those days, um, everyone was just doing assembly. So that was the only way to make them. Can you just, like, do you just do that in DOS? Like you use the assembly language or is there, is it like a, a Linux computer? Like how, what do you? Uh, I, I use most of the tools that are for the NES development are for Windows now. Okay. Um, opening up Notepad, um, saving an ASM file and then running it through a, a compiler essentially. Okay. And, and you made this whole game on a Mac, right? That's, that's what it, that's what it says. At the yeah. End of the game, which yeah. I, I try to make things as complicated as possible, I guess. Um, Cause it, there just aren't a lot of tools uh, for the Mac, but I just, you know i went to art school i i sort of just love using Macs, so i sort of did everything i could to transition everything over um so i use you know a lot of wine emulation for different things um and i'm hoping that one day someone takes the the messin emulator and and compiles it for mac um but yeah right now it's 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 still uh tough sledding yeah i tried to uh, i know jeremy you said you played it on that and i I tried using the the mess and it was not available on Mac, of course, as most things aren't. But I was going to say I should yeah. have said that as my name at the beginning. It's like, hey, hey, I finally played a game on my Mac, hey, because <laughs> <laughs> I rarely play anything on the Mac. Love it. But it worked. It you know I have a I have this old like USB um uh this old USB adapter that I bought like years ago that is a GameCube adapter that I can plug the into the computer and I used like this um Hori GameCube controller that looks like a Super Nintendo controller. Nice. That's that's how I played through the game. And I used oh, like awesome. the HDMI out to put it on my TV over here and just sat down and yeah, just sat down and played it. And yeah, that's great. It worked, worked well for what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, so going back to, you know, your early days with, with the frog report, like, okay, so you, you finished the project and now you're putting it out there first. Like, how did you go about getting it out there in those days? And, and what was your sense of the, the reaction, you know, trying this new thing that you tried and, 
stepping into this world of NES uh, game creation? Yeah, I was really lucky to sort of get in right when things started taking off with physical production of things. So um, I mentioned that a, a few smart people started making new NES hardware so that we didn't have to harvest old games. Uh, one of the main uh, sort of original people to start doing that was a, a guy named Brian Parker. He ran a website called RetroUSB.com, and he's actually the author mm. of the, the tutorials that taught me how to program. So I owe all of this to him. Um, but he started offering sort of publishing services. Um, if you had a game that you wanted to put out, he would actually manufacture everything and ship everything for you. So, I mean, obviously he would take a cut. Um, but back then that was really the only option because there were no, like, there, there were no ways to self flash games at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so I went through him for a, a few of my first projects, uh, the frog report, I ported the Atari 2600 game, uh, sneak and peek over, which is completely awful, but I grew up playing it. So it was sort of just a fun thing. Um, and then leisure suit Larry, I published through him. But after that, because the homebrew scene kept getting more and more popular, um, more and more ways to put games on hardware became available. So uh, he and another guy who ran a website called infiniteneslives.com, um, they developed the uh, basically some hardware to where you could, we as developers could flash our own games. Um, and when that became available, I started sort of doing all of the manufacturing and uh, shipping myself, um, which is a lot of work, but super rewarding being able to sort of be there at the beginning throughout the whole process of getting it out the door. Yeah, that's a whole other thing to be making the game on your computer and designing it and everything, but then you're actually like making a physical product and putting together the NES cartridges. It's, it's insane seeing something that you created sitting on a shelf beside The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers 3. I mean, these seminal games that we grew up playing that, yeah. you know, they birth good games, like people caring about games and seeing something that I made you know, on the same shelf as that. It, it, it's mind-blowing to me. I love it. Still get giddy to this day. I bet. Sure. And and I think there's probably a, separate, a diff different kind of giddiness. Say, you know, you put something on Steam. You know, that's 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 an accomplishment in and of itself. But everybody of our, our vintage, I think if we have an interest in game design, we want to make an NES game. We want to see it, that NES game next to Zelda, just like you got to. And that's something special. Yeah. And, and having this now come out for the Switch... I mean, never in a million years that I think I would have a game because throughout the years, everyone's like, why are you doing NES? You know, it's my favorite system, but like, who has an NES? Why don't you do a modern console? And it's like, well, it's a lot more work, um, you know, sort of beyond me. Um, but when 8-Bit Legit offered their services of taking any escape and um, porting it over to a modern console, you know, seeing it now in the N Nintendo eShop, like I'm having like a, a <laughs> sort of a brain meltdown. Like I just can't. It doesn't make sense to me because it's there. It is on you know on my switch. Right. Um, it's I have to pinch myself. You know, that's a crazy it's install base compared to people still playing the NES. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I think it's like twenty six megabytes or something. Like the the install time on Switch is so fast. It just makes uh -huh. me laugh. Yeah, I was gonna say it's got to be. I, I mean, what is what was the limit on those uh, NES cartridges? Pretty much, or what, or how much can you put? These days, uh, there are some some higher end. You know, you can go up to a couple megabytes. But back in the day, uh, five hundred twelve kilobytes was basically as much as you got, and that was very very late in the system's lifespan. That was when they were like putting multiple chips or like bigger chips and stuff, right? Yeah, like the MMC five mapper, like 
you know, Kirby's adventure, like huge games um, used maybe 512 kilobytes, but most of them like Mario is like 40k, 40K. it's crazy how, how much they crammed into such a small, yeah. I mean, the, the source code itself, it seems like it's bigger um, than the, the compiled game. But yeah, I was, I was, you know, I just got the, the Atari collection and one of the notes on the Atari 50 is for combat, uh, you can see a photo of the code which all fits on one screen and the actual file of that photo is m- bigger. bigger than the code itself. <laughs> it's insane. Did, um, uh, did any of you, uh, get to use the hairdryer or anything like that? Did you, did you get to, get to I was trying to the, plug um, it in, but I didn't get it to with the, uh, all the hairdryer, the extension cord or whatever. Um, I guess, I guess I just figured out that the extension cord, yeah, could be plugged onto the, the hairdryer. Cause that, mm-hmm. I, cause there's a thing you do with the hairdryer. That's, it's just cool. And I liked, uh, I like the animation of it. I was like, oh, because I figured that out on my own. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, there you go. Oh, man. A, a lot of the stuff in the game is um, basically finding yeah, finding keys for all those little things that you have to open. And some of them have puzzles inside of them as well. As there was one that <laughs> there's one that drove me absolutely insane, which I did have to look at the guide for just because. Yeah. Just because uh, I don't like those types of puzzles. <laughs> they really drive me insane. I don't think insane. anyone does. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until I put the game out and people quickly let me know <laughs> that they oh. don't like those types of puzzles. Um, and honestly, I probably, uh, we're, we're referring to a slide puzzle. Oh, I love slide um, puzzles. And I think the one in the game has like 12 pieces that you're sliding. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I probably I probably should have made it like nine to make it a little easier, but at this point the game is out sorry yeah i mean when i was I, obsessed with those things when i was a kid i had like so many and i like those they have a there was there was like that yeah there was like that island that you get in uh, wind waker where it's just filled with those slide puzzles and that's like all you have in there i'm like <laughs> that's your personal hell <laughs> i mean well it's a, it's not necessarily like i don't mind it but when there's a timer on it as well yeah, and you're trying to figure it out and you're like you're like oh my god i, I so spent much. like 30 minutes on this thing and i'm still nowhere and it's and i'm just going in circles here and uh, it was just yeah, i was breaking my mind and there's a part later where i thought it was another it was another one of those because there's a part later where it's very similar and it looks like it's a slide puzzle and i'm like oh my god no but then once i figured out what you do i'm like okay that's much better <laughs> my very first slide puzzle I had was a Qbert one. I don't know why I just thought of that. We got oh, it at a awesome. garage sale, but that's when I f- I didn't even know what slide puzzles were. And then we got that, and my parents would like have me solve it in front of people, and they came over like I was solving a Rubik's cube or something. <laughs> Jeremy, do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> go go get the slide puzzle. I'm Bring like... it out. <laughs> I'm smart. Bring it out. Show them the thing you can do. Go do it. <laughs> so we drink and laugh at you or whatever. Um, I, no one. I, I mean, speaking of that, like aside from whatever, however I feel about slide puzzles, uh, I do think it's really cool that there's so many different little mini games like stuck into this game. Like, I do think that's really impressive that you can have so many little little. It's it's almost like its own like mini games mixed into the um, the whole escape experience and all that. So, I think it's cool. Yeah. Where it's like here, this thing is this, and this other one is this, and and you can and you can bring a lot of variety into it in that way. You know, just having these puzzles within puzzles and and all that stuff. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, talking to Bo Solgus Productions at MGC, um, and he thought I was crazy because, you know, essentially every game type that I put in any escape is its own little game engine. So I had to program so many little, you know, game engines to to have all these different types of puzzles, but it's what I wanted. I mean, I, I love having the variety in there. Yeah, no, I think that's that's part of what's what's very, very cool about it, that sort of thing. There's a, yeah. 
so so many so many hidden puzzles in there. And it's a mm-hmm. and the and the the slide one is kind of early, but it's you know it's you know it's like if you want to you have to learn how to do it quickly if you want to like actually beat the game. So you learn need to learn how to be a a slide puzzle uh, wizard or whatever. Yeah, and it's not p- people overcomplicated, and it, it, you don't know unless you you know work through them a little bit. But once you you know if you just start at the top row, get the, those three pieces in their correct spots, you never have to touch them again. Then you just go to the second row and get those in the right spots. Oh, is that um, how you do it? Yeah, you just go. Row <laughs> it's by like row. you're it's like you're reading a book. Kind of is how I do it, left to right, mm-hmm. top to bottom. It was always kind of like uh, I would just like mess around with it, and then it would eventually it would come together. But it would probably <laughs> spend me. I'd spend way too much time doing it, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, there it is. <laughs> nice. How many? What? What? What number? What number was this one on your uh, on your like? Uh, how many games you had done? Because you did like this one, and uh, well, you did a uh, Wet Frogger and Leisure Suit Larry, or where where was uh, where was uh, any escape in your? In your in your progress of um, games that you had made, I, I I would have to go through the list because I've made I've made a lot of games, but I want to say maybe eight or nine, eight or eight or ninth game that I made. And is uh, I mean, do you have plans to bring other stuff to? Uh, I'm sure you do, like other stuff to Switch or or Xbox or whatever. Yeah, so I can't talk too much about it, um, but right now I'm I'm past the talk stage. Um, contracts have been uh, distributed, so. Uh, there, there's a game um, that I'm working on, or is finished now, that uh, the artist for Any Escape had an idea um, for a cyberpunk sort of adventure game. Um, oh, I don't cool. know if you ever saw the movie Johnny Mnemonic, but yeah, um, it, yep. it's inspired by that and the Super Nintendo game Shadowrun. He took all these ideas and he wanted to make an NES uh, sort of cyberpunk game like that with hacking and, and different weapon upgrades and stuff. So we just That's finished so making that. Um, so yeah, that we're hoping, um, it's looking very likely that that will be, uh, headed to, uh, modern consoles at some point soon. And, and you'll, you'll still do like a, like the actual cartridge release, right? For the NES on that? Yeah. Uh, we're definitely hoping to do both. Do you think that's like going to be your, your aim, at least for like for the time being, like make games that can actually play on the NES and then also port them to modern consoles? Yeah, um, there's something about the NES, like, it just makes me happy. Like, something about the limitations and, like, pushing them as far as we can with modern-day technology. Um, I don't know, I get a kick out of it. So uh, I just love making NES games, so yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, And, you know, throughout my growth as a developer, the different connections I've made, you know, now being connected with 8-Bit Legit, um, knowing that they have the capabilities of, of porting stuff over, um, yeah, I, I think that it's hopefully going to be the new norm for me, uh, doing sort of both both directions uh, with my future games. I think that's really cool because you know the the retro aesthetic has been around for a while at this point. I I think you know, I, I can think back to like Mega Man, was it Mega Man Nine on on Wii or something? Mm-hmm. That was like fresh and like oh cool, they're doing like an NES style game, but you could kind of you could play that game and and you could see like. I don't think they could do that on on the NES actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so th- now that was oh, what thir- 14 years ago at this point. Um and so I think like a cool way to bring some freshness back to that whole idea, the modern NES game is to, to make it actually an NES game. And I can I can I can tell and 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 appreciate that that you've made this game within those restrictions and it makes it all the more 
exciting to me, even when I see it on a modern console. That means a lot. Thank you. That's something I wanted people, wanted the listeners to know, like to appreciate about it is that, yeah, this was made specifically for the NES and, and to be able to work for the NES. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, it, when you're coming into it, looking at it, don't think that it's just like somebody trying to do that. Like this is an actual NES game that, that can be bought mm. as a cartridge and all that. And that always, that, that really impressed me when I, when I saw that people were actually making, making new cartridges for the NES. I thought that was very cool. And of course, first thing yeah. I was like, where are the NES, SNES ones? But you know, I know it's, it's all, it's its own, uh, complications and all that. And, yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. But there's also, I mean, yeah, like like you're saying, like people love the NES. You know, that's what they they grew up on. And it kind of seems like the NES has been getting pushed since it came out, right? Because it was already kind of a somewhat dated hardware when it was released in the U.S. Right. True. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's always kind of been like, I, I guess that speaks to something special about it that it's still being. It's pushed charming, out. man. It's charming. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so the confines of it, the constraints of it are so limited that it's doable for a single person or a team, a very small team to make a full game. When you start getting up to Super Nintendo and the 16 bit, it just sort of exponentially everything gets bigger and more complicated. So um, being able to sort of find other people to help you push out a full product uh, is just a lot harder and, and, and more complicated. I wonder if you can speak a little bit to that, like making an NES game in the modern era, you know, or before everybody would have been probably in the same office and, you know, pass notes back and forth. Like, how does that work? And you've got, uh, you've got a team of, you said like four people on this game. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So um, my friend Kendall and I, uh, she's a local friend of mine. And I went to her house one night and I was like, I kind of want to do an escape room game for the NES. If I were to do that, what might the first puzzle look like? And we sort of just mm-hmm. started brainstorming. Um, and by the end of the night, we had the entire game planned out. Um, it was just crazy. So uh, she's one of the the main people that helped me sort of flesh out the puzzles and, and get the whole scope of the game. Um, and then I put a call out on Twitter just sort of asking, you know, if any artists out there wanted to work on a game or if any musicians wanted to work on a game. Um, and I got some submissions uh, from different people that were interested and wound up going with uh, this guy, John Piernak uh, from Detroit. Um, he has a fine art background, um, but like us, grew up with the NES and had a, a huge appreciation for it. So uh, he was stoked to work on a real NES game. Um, <laughs> so I, I loved bringing him on. And this guy, uh, Travis Nelson uh, from Las Vegas, didn't know the guy at all, but he, I, through retweets or something, saw my post and uh, expressed some interest. So he sent me some ideas and sort of jived perfectly. So um, yeah, pulled these guys in. And um, as far as development, I mean, there are some tools that have been made um, that sort of take the NES's restraints into consideration. And when you're drawing in these programs, it limits you to exactly what an NES would limit you to. So you can't really go wrong. And and learning the programs is tough because, you know, just like any escape itself, there's not a lot of documentation. You know, you just have to sort of get in there and figure it out. And, and, and the community's grown, so you can ask questions and people are more than happy to help point you in the right direction of how to get stuff going. But um, yeah, just sort of, there's a, a graphics tool called NES Screen Tool that John used um, to make all of the backgrounds and sprites for the game. And then um, there is a music program called Famitracker that uh, is very popular in the chiptune scene. Um, but uh, you can use that to make uh, audio for our music for the game. So that's what Travis used. 
um, and I programmed it all. On PC, most people use Notepad or you know a basic Notepad++ to sort of uh, write their, their lines of code. And then there are different uh, compilers that you can use to take all of these different assets and spit out an NES file. Very nice. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. I just started rambling. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was just like, you know, I, I just have this picture of how it worked back in the, the old days. And, you know, now I think, yeah, you answered it with like, you know, you know, Twitter, internet, and, you know, sending files back and forth. And Yeah, I think back in the day, you know, in the, in the actual NES era, the tools obviously were a lot more archaic. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of even the musicians, like there weren't even, I know some of the studios had actual UIs where people were, uh, making music and trackers, but some of those musicians were doing it like in hex, in notepad, like whatever the text editor of the day was, you know, somehow knowing how it, it would all come out. Like that sort of blows my mind knowing that people were doing things that sort of backwards. Um, but that's just how it was. And and they used the tools at their disposal and, and made some beautiful stuff. Wonder also, like they, people... they were running on assembly themselves and it's like their thoughts were converted. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> it's like they had their own like assembly reader in their brain. Yep. I wonder among the NES creators and, and I guess creators of any classic console, is there like some subset, some subset that believes, oh, you can only do this on the actual hardware that they created the NES games on back in the day and like what kind of challenge that might be i mean i don't know i wonder how that would be you probably have to get vintage computers and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah probably there cost have a been lot. a couple there have been a couple programmers from that era that have turned up um on twitter that you know see what we're doing um and have you know sort of put the tools they used back in the day online for you know anyone to check out um but yeah it's the stuff these days is just a lot uh easier to use um, but to, to speak a little bit on, um, you mentioned, you know, different sects of people that, um, you know, say that you're only a real developer if you use, you know, this tool or that tool. Uh, there is a little bit of that because um, mm. back, you know, when I was starting, assembly was the only way to do it. A few years later, people started developing some C tools to make it a little bit easier um, for people that knew C programming to make NES games. And uh, about five to seven years ago, uh, a game creation tool called NES Maker came out to yeah. uh, bring in more people to actually have you know a game development you know program that you it was all sort of self-contained that spit out an NES file. So. In these three different camps, uh, there is a little bit of animosity between like the the pure assembly programmers mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, well, people programming in C, yeah, you know, that's a little bit easier." And God forbid you use NES Maker to make a game. You know, that's not a real game. They're just slapping <laughs> some stuff together. Um, so it, it's it's weird, but uh, I think a lot of that's going away as time passes because so. there have been some amazing games made in all three of those different types of uh, game creation. Um, so when we were at MGC this past well the last time I went which should have been it November was a, of twenty twenty one right it was the first yeah. post pandemic one because we had we were wearing masks and all that stuff well um, we did I did end up buying like a starter kit for the NES maker which yeah we we both yeah, did I, I haven't I really, one too. I really <laughs> messed with it um because I don't know my eyes are bigger than my stomach but we we got I mean, we got sold it. on it <laughs> and they gave us like a you know so I have like an EEPROM writer and everything so that's pretty cool but. And I do want to mess with it, but I was talking to the the guy who was running the booth, which I believe was one of the, I don't know if he was one of the programmers or he was one of the, I think he was. I um, assume you probably spoke to Joe Granado. He's sort of the, that makes sense. the main, the main one. Great guy. 
but I, but I was talking to him because you know this was this last time I went. A lot of the homebrew folks weren't there. You know, like it just wasn't back to what it used to be post pandemic. Sure. And so I I mentioned that you know it was nice to see some people still doing you know homebrew stuff this year because there was less. And I was like, we we you know I'm on a podcast you know or whatever. We've interviewed these other developers, and I like mentioned some names, and he's like, oh man, they hate me. I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, they hate me. They don't like that we you know that we've adapted it to this windows program and yeah honestly, i mean just like at the time i'm just like what silly. it didn't make sense but i guess looking back i don't know there's got i mean curious out there on this side of things it's it was easy to feel threatened i mean there was a new way that's easier uh-huh. i mean it's still hard to sell to figure out nes maker you i don't know how much you guys have played around with it but uh-uh. um the people that learned you know how to make games the old-fashioned way in assembly it was like sort of you know kids get off my lawn type thing like why are you (laughs) why are you bringing this easier way to make you know there's gatekeeping and everything Mm -hmm. um and it 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 wasn't a good look so i'm glad that uh that's going away and and anyone that's met joe i mean knows that he's a great guy and he did it for all the right reasons i don't know if you guys watched the documentary he did um the new 8-bit heroes um, that's how I originally met him. You know, he he drove to my house in Florida and, and interviewed me for that. And we talked about things and he gave me the opportunity to to check out the program at uh, there's a local um, convention here um, that he came to. And I don't know, it, it's a great program. And, and the people that are making games with it, um, there are a lot of good ones. So definitely don't write it off just because it's a, a game creation tool. Have you considered making something with it or is it just, is it like you don't want to learn something new? You might as well just do what you're already doing. Yeah. I mean, at this point I'm so kind of set in my ways. I have, I have my process down to a science. So learning to re- reinvent the wheel to, you know, have the same end result just seems a little backwards. So yeah, I don't foresee myself um, switching, switching ways. Yeah. Okay. You also said uh, one other thing I would ask was uh, you said it, so to put it on the switch, you had someone else port it or another company port it, right? You said, yeah. So there's a company called Eight Bit Legit, and one of the main guys that runs that company is uh, his name is Tim Hartman, and he was originally and still is part of Retrotainment Games. Okay. That they also started in NES Homebrew. They made some games uh, called Haunted Halloween. Okay, yeah, eighty five and Haunted Halloween eighty six. You, you know Tim; mm-hmm. he's been on our show a couple. Yeah, times. yeah, I met yeah. Him. great, great dude. Um, but he, he always thinks bigger and he was thinking, you know, how can we take these amazing games that we're making and, and bring them to a wider audience? So, um, I don't know the details, um, because, you know, I sort of stay in my lane, but, uh, he made some connections, um, with some really brilliant programmers and, um, they found a way to sort of take what we do on the NES, um, and, I mean, it's not as easy as just slapping the ROM into something. I mean, there's there's some actual I know that's what I was wondering. true development happening um, behind the scenes there, um, but it's just magic, um, and they figured out a way to do it. So the fact that they were willing to um, take what I did with any escape um, and and port it over, I I truly appreciate it because it's a dream come true. Is is there possible? Is there a way to to do any sort of like mouse stuff on the Switch? Like if you hook a mouse up to the USB or or there's probably no motion control. Uh, I don't know. Um, when we were in when when we were in development of it, um, they had mentioned that they were looking at doing some of that, and and I don't remember them mentioning the Switch specifically at the time. They were uh, messing with the Xbox, hmm. seeing um, what they could do as far as USB compatibility with that, but. 
I don't, I honestly don't know what came of that. And the fact that they haven't mentioned it probably leads me to believe that it wasn't uh, successful uh, in getting that done. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. No, I was just curious. Cause I know that you can, you can hook a mouse up and I've seen some people like attempt to do like the motion pointing of, of we, it, it doesn't quite work as well, but you can, but you can do it more or less, you know, like with waving the joy cons or whatever, you can kind of huh. sort of simulate a mouse in that way. So, you know, could be a possible yeah, with this, with this game on, on the switch. Like, like it makes me immediately think back to those games like you know nightshade and and you know if you like those kind of games that's appealing i, I think to you to to actually use a controller to play the game just like you sure. would have played nightshade back in the day mm-hmm. yeah and it feels i feel i think it feels pretty good we we put some actual like velocity into the cursor so it doesn't just move at like mm-hmm. a single slow speed like the longer you hold it the faster the cursor moves so it, it just feels good i think so i'm glad that you actually played it on the switch that's cool i like a. I, I do like that the cursor, like the little icon, like changes depending on whether you can interact with something or not like that. That really helps because, you know, sometimes in some of these point and clicks, it's like you have to you have to click like the exact like pixel. And if you don't hit that exact mm-hmm. one, you don't it doesn't. And that's always really annoying. I, I like how that one like it changes into a magnifying glass, like if you can examine it fuller you know or like what or like when you're trying to find the light like it turns into a hand you know when you do find it so you do so you're not just like clicking the air like you do know something's going right. on with that yeah and we took that we, we were inspired by mobile games because you know with mobile games the the controls have to be extremely simplified um to just make it easy to tap so we we thought that it would be really good to just sort of make it a one button thing with the controller and depending on what you're hovering over it's going to change to sort of let you know um, what you can do with each item. And I also appreciate when you, when you go, when you switch the walls, uh, the cursor stays like on the right. So you can switch like multiple walls at once. Like I'm, I'm used mm-hmm. to it coming back to the middle and then you having to go all the way over the, to the side. So I did. Appreciate yeah. These that. were all dis- yeah. design decisions we had to make while we were making it. So I'm glad you appreciate that. I thought that was good. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause then you'll already be there and then you can flip it, you know, like for when you're trying mm-hmm. to, cause there's a lot Real of like quick. stuff that you'll find later um, that has to do with like, the way the walls, like, you know, the there's there's like a lot of puzzles involving all four of the walls and like how they are. And, and you have to switch from one to another a lot. So and it helps that it would just like stay there on the side and you could kind of go instead of just going back over and all that stuff. I thought it came it together. makes me happy to hear that. Thank you. For sure. I thought it came together pretty well. And I think every, like I said, everybody should check it out. Um, it's coming out. It's coming out this Friday. It should be out right now on, uh, on the, on the Nintendo eShop. Um, yeah, that's exciting that, uh, you know, I, I think it's and I, I think it's very cool. Like I remember, like haunted, how you know, haunted Halloween, like got on Switch and and uh, they just did like their garbage pail kids thing as well. It's like I, I I love seeing stuff like this, like more like homebrew NES stuff come to Switch. So I say yeah. the more the merrier. You know, bring it over. absolutely. And uh, to anyone listening, um, it's just five bucks. I know right now. Um, well, I guess it won't matter since this episode is going to come out um, when the game is out, but. Right now, pre-order wise, they Nintendo has the wrong price online. Oh, so really? They're going to be oh, okay. yeah, they're going to be updating that. I think on the thirteenth. Oh, okay, it's uh, even cheaper. It's supposed to be four ninety nine. So uh, no excuse. Five bucks. Check it out. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought you it, might have that in your uh, gold points right now. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was ten because that was what the Mac one was. But but you get multiple. Yeah, well, that's what it well, I guess says I guess that that one you get multiple. You get like all of them. You get all the different. You get the Windows and the Linux and like and and the yeah. Mac and 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 even like the ROM for whatever you know for like whatever uh, emulator you're using and all that. But yeah, I mean, we know the game is not the next Spider-Man, so we didn't want to charge too much for it. Um, it's it's a it's a great game to just download if you have friends over. 
everyone thinks they know the answer to all the puzzles. So they're, you know, everyone shouts things out and, you know, most of the time they're wrong, but playing it in a group setting is a lot of fun and I highly recommend it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what's unique with these kinds of games is that they're just, they're fun to play with other people who are around the room and just shouting out uh, what they think is the answer. And that's something that, uh, really kind of unique to this genre of games. So I'm excited to try it with, with other people in the room and, um, you know, we we have a Slack channel, and um, I think we plan to pass back and forth notes and stuff here and there. So That's I like great. that you brought the actual escape room experience, that community experience, to to uh, modern NES game on the Switch. It's very cool. Thank you. Think, and think about it, five bucks is what they charge for NES games on the Wii when the Wii first started virtual consoles. So it's just all it all makes sense. I was gonna say it it's, all it's, makes it's, sense. it's probably much cheaper than going to an actual escape room, right? I've never been to one, but oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure yeah. the oh, price yeah. is are 35 bucks a pop, man. They're usually yeah. uh, around that, depending on where. Um, yeah, they add up. Have you ever considered doing a real escape room, or have you put one together before? <laughs> I, I haven't. My, you know, my friends and I talk about things. We talk about a lot of things, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't foresee that happening. Um, if I had the money, I would love to rent out, you know, a, a building and build something. Because, and maybe this is, again, me being naive, but like after you initially set up the rooms, you're just paying for power and rent and, yeah. you know, hourly wages. I, I, I feel like it would be profitable. Sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. So I would, I would love to put one together, but just don't have the money. Yeah, I'll can. put this in your head. So you should make it all look 8-bit, like make it look like, mm-hmm. like your game brought to life. You could have like a, a good marketing experience there for you. <laughs> it would it would take it would take a lot, but uh, and I don't even really like VR, but I would love to see any escape in VR. <laughs> you could just oh, that would be put incredible. you put you in there. You can actually yeah. Like, if you are a VR programmer, hit stuff. me up. Yeah, <laughs> that would that would be fun. Yeah, no, for sure. You're keeping the NES alive in your own way. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's comforting to know that the NES is going to be a thing in in our lives for. Yeah, it's definitely not going anywhere. More and more people with every new big project that comes out, like Micro Mages or Full Quiet, more people are being exposed to the fact that it exists and more people flock to make games for it because of it. So it's it's only uh, getting better and better. I'm sure you have a a lot of advice to give, but is there there anything that you would want to say to somebody who's curious about starting out making NES games? Um, Yeah. Uh, First of all, keep your first project small (laughs) to just learn the system architecture and and how to do different things, you know, controller inputs and moving sprites around the screen. Um, But there are so many people doing it now um, at such a high level that there's really no reason not to be able to do it. If you want to do it, you know, hop on Twitter, hop on a forum, start asking questions um, and we'll be happy to, uh, to help you get going because it's, it's doable. Definitely. And I, and I like how you started just by, just by doing a thing that that you wanted, like Frogger was not an yes, so it's like why not? Like let's let's bring it over there. Just kind of you know try to try to find something you're passionate about, and you just, yeah, just and go it gives from you there. some focus. You know, um, you know, there if you know learning, basically taking a game that already exists as your first project takes all of the figuring out how the game works out of the equation. You don't have to decide you know, game mechanics or gameplay or collision, like it already exists in that game. So you just have to figure out how to do it on the NES, but at least you have sort of a a specific roadmap um, of what you need to make it look like, you know, at the end of the day. 
kind of like uh if you're like in a new band maybe you do cover songs at first exactly. as you're learning yeah yeah <laughs> get you into the groove yeah see what you see what you know that sort of thing i think i think the only thing i was going to i was going to say that this game uh had gave me flashbacks like a uh, boy scouts flashbacks like not like not not bad ones <laughs> but there's stuff that is like stuff that you learn in boy scouts that you need to know uh in this game like there's a part where uh that I think I did a science project about that at some point, or I think I made like a some sort of Morse code thing at one point. But I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember some of this." So it took me yeah, back. It was <laughs> super cool. I, I love being able to incorporate that. Yeah, and I do like I like stuff like that where um, there was like some uh, there was like a Switch game that was supposed to be like an, a Resident Evil type game, and there's a part where you can like use a radio and you can like tune to different frequencies, and there's one where you could like kind of use different waveforms to like do puzzles and stuff like that, which I thought was really neat. And that. That phone part reminded me of that. Reminded me of this it game called awesome. Signalis that does that. And I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. Cool. So, and the tape stuff was cool too, of course. The headphones and then all that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> check it out. Everybody everybody, check it out. And uh, I think, is there anything else that either of you want to say or anything that you want to say, Kevin, before we go here? Uh, hey, no, plug just... yourself again, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. give uh, all the information. Yeah, uh, I have a website, uh, khangames.com, K-H-A-N-G-A-M-E-S.com. Um, not much there, just sort of, you know, a little about me section, list the games that I've done myself, sort of games that I've helped other people work on, um, and some links to our podcast episodes. But uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at A Ton of Glaciers, which if you know of the band Veruca Salt, an alternative band from the 90s, it's a reference to one of their songs. Um, and yeah, that's really it. I don't do a whole lot of social media stuff. Um, but yeah, check out the game, Any Escape, Switch, and Xbox. Five bucks. Nice. And uh, also uh, uh, Patreon. It was at patreon.com slash line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and I'll, I'll put some links on the description as well. And I'll, you know, tw- tag you in the tweet and, and all that stuff. But but uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I felt like I learned something about NES yeah, <laughs> definitely development and all that. No, it's, it's very it's great to have you and get to talk about uh make making making it for the original original Nintendo system. Yeah, thank you guys so much uh, for having me on. Very very happy to meet you all individually, and uh, hopefully we can talk again sometime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. we'll talk about your new project. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And well, and when you can, hopefully, maybe we'll get to see each other in person at some mm-hmm. convention in the future. Yeah, you know, I'd awesome. love that. Definitely. Cool. All right. Well, um. Yeah, I think uh, if we if you need to jet, you, you can jet, and I think we're gonna t- we'll take a break and then we'll come back and do the rest. Cool. All right, you guys have a wonderful night. All right, cool. Thank you, you too, Kevin. Thank you and so if much. you know anybody else who's uh, looking to plug their game, you know, please you know send send their information over to us. You know, we like talking to developers, so sure, this yeah. was very fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Yeah, Thank th- you. Thanks for taking the time Thank you. for us. Yeah, appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Have a good night. Hey, you. It's me, Mario. Yeah, you. 
Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo Main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast! Game over! the break um let's let's talk about what we've been doing in the video game world i got a i got released from the editing finally i finished it all 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 five of them i uh i finished the i finished the video what was i finished the video first so last week's episode was a little bit later on the editing but i want to get the video out of the way because video editing is much harder for me to do than than uh, audio editing audio Mm. editing is a breeze so once i got I was like, I want to get through the thing that's hard to do, and then I can kind of just like breeze through the the episode and all that. And I and I did, and I got all that done. So I finally have been able to play games again. Hooray! So, but you can check out the video. Check out my top ten video on YouTube. It's actually one of the shorter ones that I've done. Normally they're like over thirty minutes, and this one is twenty minutes. But I did, so, you know, I did some things to make it easier this time. Like I, I kind of like recorded, and normally I record all of my thirty second uh, saves like all at once as one file. This time I split them up by game, and I did them all in order. And I also wrote a script this time, which really helped as well. Normally, I just like put a bunch of shit together, and then I watch it. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's that, and then there's this. This one was much better because I wrote a script and I tried to put the stuff together in the video based around what my script was. And if I wanted extra stuff, I would edit the script and be like, oh yeah, then there's this part and all that. But I, I think it's pretty good. I thought there was some funny stuff in there. I mean, I I put some stuff that made me laugh out loud from like Xenoblade and like a. Sonic Frontiers, Sonic Frontiers, I thought had some really good, like, funny writing in there. Like, there's one part in the middle of that segment where, um, where, like, the one, the, whatever, the cyber, the cyberspace girl shows up and, and asks Sonic, like, what is, what is your goal? And he's like, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's a spinning ring, like, some, sometimes it's a spinning sign, sometimes it's a ring, I don't know, it changes depending on whatever. Sometimes it's chili dogs. Whatever state, whatever stage I'm on. But I thought that was funny because, you know, in the original game, that's the first one was a spinning thing, and sometimes you had to jump into a ring. And 
I got a kick out of that. I thought they had a really good time like poking fun of themselves in that game. Which you which you played the demo, John. What do you, what do you think? Did. Do you hate it? Is it the worst game you've ever played? Do you hate it's me? It's not now the worst game I've ever played. Um, I think I think it's great. But I mean it's I guess it's acquired taste. It's like what what do they it's like what do they let you do? Do they really let you get a taste of it at all? I wonder. No, it's just literally just there's the game, but there's a timer on it and you can play for fifteen minutes and that's it. Oh, that sucks. So. Yeah. Yep. It, it, I'm always, I thought about downloading the demo just so I could see. I'm like, how much do they, do they actually give you? Because I know, like, there's that, there was that demo for Dragon Quest Treasures on the Japanese eShop, but that doesn't even let you get any treasures. So it's like, what? You're not really giving yeah. them, they're not really giving you the actual game there. So it's not really sell it well. Yeah. Those are the worst kind of demos, the ones that just like, here, 15 minutes, go. Yeah. But it's better to do a, a curated demo where you could give me the best of. Yeah. Give me like a little sampling, you know, video game equivalent of a trailer, uh, but they don't do that here. So I, what I played, you know, 15 minutes, I think um, it's kind of what I, what I expected. Uh, I saw like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still not impressed by the, the overworld. I think it's kind of drab and dreary and a little, a little boring, at least from the 15 minutes that I saw of it. Um, yeah, I saw a little pop in here and there, but it wasn't terribly distracting. Um yeah, yeah, I think he gets to. Uh, I, I think it's cool. That you have like a wide open space for him to run around in, but I felt like I kind of want a little bit more of a restriction with Sonic. I think it, that makes it a little bit more more fun. I want that roller coaster feel. I didn't get much of a sample of that from the trailer from the demo. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say if they only gave you like yeah. fifteen minutes, there's no way you can get to any of the cyberspace levels. Right. Because you because right. ha- in order to get to cyberspace levels you have to beat a boss where you have to get a gear that'll open the cyberspace levels so there's no way like you wouldn't even be able to oh, beat any of those bosses I don't think or well maybe just that but not necessarily there's one spot at the beginning which is the tu- the tutorial which looks like Green Hill Zone with the chuckers and all that stuff oh, okay and that that was that was that was fun that was more fun than the the open zone part that I got to play oh, okay so I was like okay I can see that there's more of this stuff in here but I wish that the demo was just more curated to give you a better feel of the whole game they, they should give you they should give you like an hour at least like i miss like i don't know if anybody i'm sure somebody remembers but on playstation plus that was part of the membership was that you would you could get an hour demo of the mm-hmm. game like you could download it and you could play the game for an hour and then it would carry on if you bought the game but you would get they would let they would give you this hour demo of like any of the games pretty much that you wanted to play and I, th- I always thought every game should do yeah, that. give you at least an hour like so you can get an idea or like you know i've, I've talked you know, you talked before about maybe doing like a ex- expansion pack episode about demos. Like, I'm just gonna say the Square demos because those are the best. Like, best demo, Dragon Quest Eleven. Mm-hmm. You get eight hours of the game for free, and it can, and then it continued on into the game. Like, how much better can you get than that? Like, right. If you don't like those eight hours, then don't play the game. That's what I've been telling everybody on any on any like you know Nintendo group or whatever that that ever asks about you know rpgs i'm like just go play the te- go play the eight hour dragon quest 11 demo you know like you're gonna know whether you like it or not by then you know and it's and it's such a huge offering there that gets to continue that, that goes into the game and i thought that was so cool that they did that it's hard to imagine something getting to like the eighth hour and being like i don't know if this is for me mm-hmm. yeah for sure i've done that with jobs before <laughs> <laughs> on the eighth <laughs> <Yeah>. hour <laughs> that's the end of your first day right yeah sure i mean depend well Depending on what job you're doing, but yeah, I finished all the editing stuff. I do, uh, I do think when, whenever I cut like these uh, top ten videos every year, I always think that you know you should do it. I think everybody should make a video on your thirty second uh, captures 
on your Nintendo Switch. I know, John, you originally said you wanted to do that for Mario Maker 2. It's just, aside, aside from the annoyingness of, uh, of editing a video and all that, I think it's fun to just, like, relive your memories of these games that you played last year. I think it's cool. It's like, what are these 30 seconds? Why did I save these? Like, what is this one? Like, why is it, you know? How many of these were on accident, most? Actually, none of them are on accident for me. Because I, I don't. I'm pretty good about that. But I did, I mean, I've, I've maxed out my videos multiple times. I actually had to delete a bunch of them after just because I record. But now that I'm done with the video, I don't have to record record those anymore. Like, no more 30-second things. I don't need them. But yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it's worth it just to go, just to look through your stuff. It's like watching your, your video game year, you know, like your life mm-hmm. of video games right here and see how you played stuff. And I always, I'm adamant about using my actual footage. I always hate it when people do, like, their top 10 lists of the year and they just use trailers. It's like, use your own shit. If you supposedly played it, then put it on there. I know, I know it's hard to get through, go through footage. Like if you're streaming or whatever, but you know, 30 seconds, that's why it sucks when stuff like, uh, stuff like dragon quest treasures, like did not have a 30 second capture on there, which annoys me so much because then I have to like go through the footage that I streamed or whatever to try to find the right stuff. But thankfully it wasn't that bad on that one but i know i'm sure both of you have plenty of 30 second stuff just give it a look you know i mean i've made videos just never that one i know you made videos but not ones based on your 30 second captures i guess not so there's that but while while i was editing the last episode i i beat i beat my first game of 2023 let's put this yeah this year uh i beat kirby in the forgotten land i beat it while i was editing uh, last episode so there you go got to kirby credits and then it gets much harder after that of course I found the ultra hard mode of Kirby, and I didn't want to play it anymore because it was too hard. I was like, "All right, all right, Kirby, you got me." Now, after after you beat the game, uh, there's like an extra mode where you uh, this this like a uh, this like lady lion lady or whatever, or she's a cheetah, something like that. This this boss that you fight, uh, you go and talk to her, and it turns out that the lion boss, who was like one of the main bosses at the end, has disappeared, and you go into this other world to go try to find the lion boss. And basically, what it is. You play through all of the levels in a whole world, but they put it all into one level. So, oh. like you, so basically, you play like ten levels in one level, and everything's way harder. Like all the characters hit much harder. There's different. They've changed all the enemies into different things, and now you collect parts of the lion. So there's like fifty parts per level, which is an entire like world. And do you want to put the whole lion together? And I made it through the first world. But after that, I was like, ah, I'm good to take a break on this. <laughs> but I did die. I did die many, many, many times, and I didn't did not collect all 50 pieces of the lion on that on that first on that first go through, because a lot of the stuff is real difficult. Like especially the um, especially the secrets that you get. There's one part where you have to hit three switches with the bomb with the bomb ability, and mm-hmm. I'm not fast enough to do that. Like they're right next to each other, and there's a time limit between. You, I couldn't even hit two of them without one of them resetting. So there's some intense shit in there. You get you get to uh you get to full on hardcore Kirby after you beat it. So But it was fun. I mean, you know, that's that's a pretty ass game. It has a really beautiful cutscene with like very nice looking grass and all that at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it has, I think I mentioned last week that there's a there's a very heartfelt moment towards the end. It's not involving Kirby. It's involving another character, but there's a there's a part that's like, Holy shit, I didn't know they felt like that. But no, it's it's a cool game. Um I'm still, you know, it was a lot of fun. I finally got to it. I was pretty close to the end, I guess. I guess I was like a world and a half away from beating it, but it does get it does get pretty intense at the end there. And there's some really cool, crazy end end Kirby shit. It actually kind of reminded me of Bayonetta at the very end <laughs> for a second because um, there's a part where you turn into a giant semi truck and you're basically <laughs> driving over, um, you know, like 
skyscrapers that had like fallen over and have created a line mm-hmm. that you're driving over. So it reminded me of Bayonetta because in Bayonetta you run over skyscrapers that have broken and yeah. they're floating in the sky as well. That's why I thought it was like it was like Bayonetta, it's Kirbynetta. But yeah, I did that. Um, but mostly, uh, I guess I could talk about my nickname. Uh, my nickname, Team Sour Fail, was exactly what I did. Uh, I played I played a little bit of Splatoon 3 uh, Splatfest on Saturday. I played a whole lot of, I played 90% tricolor battles, because you can select those now. Mm-hmm. And I could not get a single fucking win out of it. Like, I don't think I won one of them for Team Sour. Like, we were really getting destroyed by Team Sweet, who ended up winning. Team Sweet ended up winning the whole thing, so... I could not get one one win over. Even when I was, and I was sometimes I was on the outside, sometimes I was the in, on the inside. It kind of alternated. I, I noticed that like when you're on the outside, there's only two of you. You only get half of your team, so you get two people when you're oh. on the outside, and you get four when you're on the inside. And I was even I was using the roller where I was just kind of like just trying to like plow into enemy territory and just cover up as much space as I could. And I still would like barely just not make it out in those last couple seconds because I got it up to like fifty because it'll show the percentage on the uh, tricolor battle as to how much you have. And I got all the way up to like 50, 60%. But then those last couple seconds, they take it away. They take the percentages away. And somehow they still came back. And I did not win. Were you able to... I saw you played it a little bit, Jeremy. Were you able to jump in on the on the Splatfest? I was not. You could vote on a team, even. If you could vote on a team. I don't think I did. If I had, I would have voted for... Was it Spicy was one? Spicy, Sour, Sweet? I probably yeah, spicy. spicy, Sour, and Sweet. Sweet, sweet ended up taking the, the win, obviously. Because... A lot of people like sweets, I guess. We talked about last week. I want salty on there. Salty's my jam. Umami. Yeah, sure. Umami. Or is it like savory? Savory's way better than all those things. I would have voted disgusting. <laughs> yeah, if that's, uh, if that's an option. So I, I did that, but mostly I've been playing uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, my number one game of 2022. And uh, I put like a good like uh, 15 hours into it since last week because I finally got free of all the editing and all that. And I'm like, I am just going to play Xenoblade. So that's what I've been doing. Actually, it's I do kind of feel like I'm getting close to the end of the game because I've gotten I've com- completed some of the colonies to where there are no uh, side quests left. There's there's kind of like a system where you get like a there's like a star system. You know how many stars you have for each colony, mm-hmm. and once you get to five stars, you've done everything. So I've gotten five stars for a couple of them, and you do you do a certain amount of uh, smaller side quests, and then you get the hero quest. The hero quest gives you the new uh, the new the new character to put in you know to putting your party as a new class and all that but you get the ascension quest which is after that where you can make where you can uh, make your level even higher so originally when you get a class you can bring your class up to level 10 when you get to the ascension quest they can go up to level 20 and everybody has an ascension quest as well so i've been getting all trying to do all the qu- ascension quests for all the different classes and i have almost all of the classes i only have one left to collect so i gotta be pretty close but yeah i'm getting to there where i'm starting to feel like i'm starting to run out of things to do so now I have to do the regular thing. But I thought, uh, you know, give give that video a look. I think I, I thought I had some really funny uh, moments from Xenoblade on there. I made sure to include the part where they learn how where babies come from because that's the most important part about the whole game. So <laughs> yeah, I made sure and put that on there because they don't know because they're grown in tubes. They don't they don't know how babies where babies come from because they're not naturally born. There's a whole part where they have to learn about families and babies and all that stuff. Oh yeah, uh, I also I did this like last I did this last week like right at the beginning of the year. I've already made a games to beat in 2023 folder, and it was felt pretty good to take Kirby out of there. I was like, I got one, <laughs> but I guess I beat two. I beat Kirby and uh, NES Escape, so I beat that on Mac. So two games, two games for two, 2023. But no, I have a, I have a, I have a folder of 30 games already. <laughs> that's like on my 2023 to beat list. I'm not going to beat all those. I just, 
like making folders that say, hey, you should beat these games. So I don't know. You beat 30 games this year, didn't you? I did. But that was like total with new releases and all that. But there's some of them that it, like I really want to... Like last week I said that like I wasn't really interested in Fire Emblem unless they show me something that makes me interested in Fire Emblem. And now I'm interested in Fire Emblem because I've seen the footage of it and I think it looks fucking great. So, mm-hmm. but I want to finish. I'm making. I'm gonna make myself finish uh, three houses before I even think about getting into that. But I put that on my list, and I and I, I will. I'll like sort them around, like how I want to. Basically, trying to decide which one I'm gonna play next after Xenoblade. I'm gonna try to beat Xenoblade before Persona Three and Four come out next week. We'll see if that happens or not. But if that's the only oh, thing wow. I'm playing, I think I'm pretty close to beating it. Though I'm in. I'm in chapter six. There's seven chapters, and I have 110 hours in there. Most people beat it in 120, so I don't know. I think it's a possibility, but that's but yeah, that's that's where I'm at on that. Well, I just stole your idea because I saw it in your notes, and I started my 2023 folder. Um, so far, it only has three games in it, though. So that's Dark Souls, uh, Tunic. Tunic, and um, Axiom Verge. There you go. Just, They're uh, games I've been playing so recently. Yeah, I guess the, the yeah the major ones at the top of mine are like I said, it's Xenoblade, Fire Emblem, Three Houses. And Ease Nine, I never finished Ease Nine, and Ease Ten is coming out this year, so I gotta gotta beat gotta beat that before that comes out. I have a backlog folder, but I, I like the specificity of I'm going to beat this in 2023. That seems a little bit better. So you've so actually I'll been removing one. it from the folder when you do beat it. I did, yeah. Well, I removed uh, I removed Kirby from it, yeah. When I beat Kirby, so gotcha. I beat one, and the fun thing is, uh, like the Resident Evil Cloud demos, like even if you don't own them, you can put them in there. So, uh, so I stuck Resident Evil uh, Seven in there, even though I don't have that game. I can still put it on there as something I want to beat eventually and buy. So that's kind of fun with the cloud things. You can just slot the demos in there and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna beat that someday." Yeah. Oh that's yeah. Also, and- wait to remember what you did beat because you could just do games I beat this year and then have the games as you beat them. I have a beat of the week folder also. <laughs> that I put all my beat stuff in. <laughs> but uh, no, the idea was I'll just take out the stuff. I think, yeah, the main ones was uh, Xenoblade, Ease. I really wanted to finish Live Alive, too, because I played like 10 hours of that game, and I really liked it. And Nier Automata's up there, too. That's another one that I put like nine hours into and really liked, but didn't play it enough. And like Neon White and Proteus. And, oh, shit, yeah, Neon White. I want to beat that. And, and you never and did like get uh, Bayonetta, did you? I didn't. But I still kind of want to play it. I mean, I'm, you know, we'll see if it's if it's on sale at some point, the way down the line. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And there's that other Bayonetta Okami game coming out that I'm, I'm into. But yeah, make yourself a 2023 beat folder. Set set some goals already. Now that we're in the time that you can kind of play whatever you want, and there's not really any big releases out yet, you know, where you can kind of yeah. As I say, uh, pick up pick up your scraps from 2022. Pick up the pieces. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's really like kind of what I've been doing. Um, but I haven't played really any Switch this week. I've just been playing Elden Ring. I think I said on, if I had mentioned on the show, whatever, but I'm doing the dry January thing. So, you know, whatever. Some people, that's probably not a huge deal. But for me, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I got extra time all the time <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> like I should be doing something, you know, like, I don't know. I just like to have a couple drinks when I, you know, don't work. And uh, sure. So now, so now I'm like, uh, I'm gonna play Elden Ring. <laughs> that's my like. That's be replaced it as a vice. Don't have anything and, else to do. Well, I, I have plenty to do. I could be <laughs> doing, but that's just something to go into. And um, and because I gave up on the PC version, I just gave up on it. Uh, I might go back to it eventually, but uh, I've only been playing the PlayStation version this week, and I'm already like 
I'm one boss away from catching up to where I was before. And I beat a bunch of other bosses that I hadn't even like gotten to on the other one. And I actually knew what I was doing when I was building my character, you know, this time around. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. I actually found a, a really, really good rune farming spot. It's the best one. Well, I didn't find it, but I was able to get to one of the best ones in the game. And that's really sped me along. So I don't think I'm going to beat it this month, but I'm going to put a lot of time into it this month. Um, and then I think Dark Souls, if I feel like jumping right into it, I might go back to Dark Souls and try to, yeah, because that's on my, uh, that's on my Beats of 2023 folder. Um, I also want to play more in Escape I, or any Escape. I wish I would have played a bit more of that, but I just got it up and running yesterday. And I've been working extra this week since I was sick and missed so much work last week. Yeah, I wish I had more to talk about. Uh, anybody who plays Elden Ring, I'm at uh, Morgat, the, the Last King, I believe he calls himself. So I'm at like just about to go into like where the Fire Giant is. And I also, this time around, I actually went and like did some fucked up stuff where I'm like kind of playing good versus evil and it's fun. Um, I killed a bunch of tarnish that's supposed to be a no-no, but I did it because I became like an assassin and um, because I'm a tarnish, so you're not supposed to kill your own type. Mm. And so once you kill them, they don't show up to help you anymore. Sometimes you can summon them for battles, but they don't do that anymore. And then I did this other fucked up thing where I gave this potion to somebody and turned him into a puppet. So basically took away their free will and then someone else has control of them now. So that's pretty fucked up. Um, (laughs) Uh, but these are all like uh, little side quests in the game. So that's really what I've been doing. Lots and lots of side quests. And uh, hopefully when I get to the fire giant this time, it won't be as hard. Also, I actually did get... Got to get yourself an ice hammer or something. I actually got PlayStation Online. Yeah, you're right. I got the actual, I actually paid for a month of PlayStation Online because I want to be able to like... Well, I had to in order... I had to be able to invade people to get this one... To get to the spot where I'm harvesting the, the runes now, mm. I actually had to get online because you have to invade p- three people is like the uh, the stipulations to to unlock the the way to like get to this part of the game. So anyway, I will just I'm just gonna have someone help me if nothing else this time around. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be beyond it. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I hope to get back to Switch. Um, there's a lot of games I missed this year, and if I'm able to afford them, I do want to try Kirby. That's one that's high on my list. And Bayonetta 3 as well. And Escape, which any Escape, which I do actually own, so I'm going to play more of that this week. Yeah, also, we, yeah, we found out earlier it's only 5 bucks on Switch. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be buying it on you Switch. Get it again. I could get it again. You know, I just, well, I, I got it just because I wanted to play it for the show. And I did I did beat it, but I did, I did kind of cheat at some parts like i said the ticking clock kills me <laughs> it makes me want to not start over again i think that's part of the fun too is like that's a you know uh an escape room the whole tension is that you only have so certain amount of time to do it if you had all day to do the puzzles like it would just not be as yeah then it's fun. then it's too easy and i and i well and also i think uh, i guess we didn't mention it in the interview but there's no there's no way to get a game over if you don't have the if you don't have the timer you know, whereas like something like Shadowgate, there's there's ways that you can kill yourself or that you will die for picking the wrong door or pointing, you know, clicking the wrong thing. But in this one, it does. The only way for you to die is from the, the 
time. So there needs mm. there needs to be something. Otherwise, yeah, you can just play it for however long. And even though I think there's some right. stuff you might not get because there is some pretty pretty complicated stuff in there. Yeah, it's not that bad of a punishment either because you already know the answer to all the puzzles that you already solved. So yeah, you, you just, just got you just got to go back and do it again through it quicker. You yeah, just I wish my mic would have been cutting out earlier while we were talking to Kevin because I was saying like. I was asking him about because it says in the manual that some puzzles are randomly generated each time. Hmm. So I don't know if that means just some solutions differ from playthrough to playthrough, or if there's oh. yeah, oh. or if like the placement of them is different. Interesting. But, well, because uh, yeah, well you know, as part of the press pass, they gave us a little walkthrough, and mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to say, but whenever maybe whenever you beat it, we can say it. But the uh, ending the ending word, as he was saying, is is different. Like the one the the one that I got was actually different than what was in the press kit thing so oh, okay. that's cool so i can and i understand why they changed it because it's it's basically using the audio you know the, the spoken word that you would use on an nes so it tells you a word that you need to type into the typewriter and you can't and i can i had no idea what this word was and i would just i put all these different versions of it that i thought i was and i just could not get it to work and, and finally i did i actually ended up looking at somebody's review and found it through there but but yeah, it's like it's it's some of it's like what is it that is it this or but I do think it's kind of neat that they work within the parameters of the NES, you know, and what the word is and all that. That's kind of a spoiler for the thing, but you'll have to do it a couple times, so that sort of thing. That's it for me. Well, I also had a gaming light week this week. You know, I played the Sock Frontiers demo. I played NES Escape, and beyond that, I didn't really play anything and. There's one thing to blame, and that is our uh, anime episode that we did for X-Pac last week. For those who are subscribers, you know that we made an episode about our favorite anime. And from that, it just got me thinking, you know, I got to finish Attack on Titan. And so I subscribed to Crunchyroll. I'd watched Attack on Titan the first season, you know, um, years ago. I think it was like 2015. And loved it. Uh, at that time, the second season was not out yet, so I stopped watching it. And from there, uh, uh, I just never picked it up again. And that's a show that is, it's like years between seasons. And so I found out uh, a while ago that you know, they were in the fourth and final season, and the fourth and final season is split up into three parts. Yeah, it's still going, so the, right? Or at least it was going last going. year. Yeah, the, the third and final yeah. part is supposed to come out sometime in 2023 and typically they'll only announce when it's coming out like you know a a very short time beforehand so i was like it's 2023 right now i gotta watch i gotta catch up so that when the last bit comes out i'm on board with everybody and i don't have to worry about spoilers and all that stuff and i gotta say like i i I loved the first season when i saw it and uh diving back in again i was like yeah I, i just I remember this. <laughs> there were there was like three days when I did nothing but watch Attack on Titan back in 2015. So now I'm back on this, and I've watched I I watched 36 episodes this week. Wow, <laughs> that's that's just what I did. I was, I've been you know I come home from work and I watch Attack on Titan for three hours, four hours, and go to bed, and uh, that's that's it. But man, that's that's, show that's, the, that's the sort of dedication is, that could get you through One Piece. 
if you ever want yeah. to pick up that one. If you want to just do that every those, day for like three years. If you ever you see those, <laughs> right. you, you, see, you see those pictures of you know people like putting the clown makeup on or whatever. That's like I will watch all the One Piece episodes. Yeah. But if you're watching like forty a week and there's like a thousand, I'm just saying it's, it's doable. Get through it. Yeah, I made that's, it. I made have it you guys hard. ever seen that show? Attack on Titan. I think I watched part of the of. I think I watched some of it with you at one point, John. Actually. And I think I've seen some of maybe the first episode. I think that's where I'm at. I watched. I think I watched like the first. Episode. But I know. I I know. It's. Okay. I heard that the new stuff is really good. Uh, about, like, I encourage you. To, giants trying to like eat humans. Pretty much. Yeah, I encourage you to dive in and don't look into it any deeper than than what you already know of it. You know, giants trying to eat humans. Go. That's enough. That's intriguing enough to get you started. And beyond that, like I'll say, the show just takes it. it, it takes a lot of turns and it goes deep like that's one thing i really like about the show is is um a a lesser show might have a battle that lasts you know one episode and this in this show will have a certain battle but it lasts like four or five episodes and so you get into like different corners and facets of the battle and see different sides of the battle different characters perspectives uh, there's a lot of depth to it in that way, and uh, just the the imagination behind it. Yeah, it's 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 so creative from every angle. The art is beautiful. It's from the same animation studio that does Chainsaw Man and yeah, you know Mappa. Um, I think that studio is just at the top of their game. And I, I, some of it you watch and you go, "How did you conceive that action? That those camera movements?" How can you like keep that your mind wrapped around that as you're drawing these characters from all these different angles? The camera is moving in like impossible ways, swooping around the giants and you know under the legs and you know up into the air and down and back again. Um, I don't know how these people like that's, that's like a whole different kind of brain that can envision that kind of motion and make that happen and make it coherent the way that they do. It's it's one of the most exciting visually shows that i've i've ever seen uh i just i love it you know every character on that show has reasons and motivations and backstory and uh, it's all like you know drip fed to you you just enough to keep you interested again and again and then one last thing i'll say about is that every episode ends with some fantastic little like you know little a banger of some kind like to make you want to watch the next episode they're just like masters at at, at plotting in that way so yeah I, I love this show and i even took a look at the games and i was gonna say the games are pretty good the, i mean there's there are attack on titan games on nintendo switch so there you go we've yeah. we've uh, brought it back to nintendo yeah i, I think that after uh, i watch you know I, I get caught up i could see myself buying buying the games there's two of them and they're from kawaii tecmo they, they're kind of so that they have that kind of a uh, you know dynasty warriors look to them but it's not dynasty warriors gameplay it's more like strategic you're you're cornering titans and um you got that spider-man style movement because they have this yeah, you get to like swing, gear. swing around yeah they call it odm gear omnidirectional movement so they can go up Orchestra and down and all over the, the place orchestral movements in the dark omd <laughs> Yeah, so it looks like a pretty good game, and and I've heard good things about it. So, yeah, I might get it. I thought there was a. De- I thought one of them had a demo. Maybe maybe I played it on. Maybe maybe I played it on Wii U or something. I thought I thought I I remember I played one of these 
games for free on a Nintendo system. I will say so, similar to you, John. I, I I did watch a lot. Of, I've been watching a lot more anime since that episode. Since the episode, yeah, Chainsaw I, uh, Man. I watched all of uh, Elf and Lead except for the last episode this past week. Oh well. yeah, Elf and Lead, which is Lee only Lee like or, fourteen episodes, I think thirteen or fourteen. So. I actually did. I did the other thing. I've actually not watched any anime because I've only been playing. I've been playing anime. I've been playing Xenoblade. <laughs> Normally, like whenever I eat, like you know, I'll have like dinner by myself. Like whenever I eat later, if I stay up late. Oh. Um, I do it all the time, and I'll watch something. I do too. I watch something, or like you know, when Jess is working, I have lunch by myself, and I watch like I either watch mm. YouTube or I'll watch an anime thing or whatever. But all I've been doing is just eating and watching the cutscenes for Xenoblade. So I have not been really watching anything other than. Well, other than wrestling, which I watch all the time, but you know, but uh, most, but yeah, I've kind of lapsed on my on my anime watching because I've just been, you know, I was like, well, I got you know, there's some Xenoblade cut scenes. I'll just watch these. Well, the funny thing is that like I, I was kind of, I've got a couple of streaming services. I was like, do I really need another streaming service? Like, all right, I'll pay you know eight bucks and all that. And man, I've been just down on this thing so fast. I'm gonna get it done within the free trial week that I, that I have, like for sure. So maybe I can just cancel it and. Having watched my Attack on Titan, and that'll Don't be good enough for me. Find another one you want to watch. I mean, well, you, you got right. You, yeah, I mean, you got you got to watch Chainsaw Man while you're there. Yeah, I could watch Chainsaw Man, or you know, I, I I I found one really weird one on there that I just had to give it a look, and you know, I'm blanking on the name of it right now. But there was maybe I can find it real quick. There, there, there is a there is a demo for Attack on Titan two on Nintendo Switch. Oh, I got to give it a shot. So you, so you can play it. I'm definitely gonna give just, it a try. I just, I just found it on the eShop. There's also a shit ton of DLC that you can buy for that. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that kept me away from that was it was I mean it's a sixty dollar game to begin with, but I think there but was there's an extra like fifty dollars worth of DLC, but I think it's all like outfits yeah. and shit. Like you don't need to like buy the Christmas the there's like a costume Christmas set where you can dress up like a snow person or, or Santa Claus or whatever. Like you don't need to pay twelve dollars for that. Like you don't need it to, to experience the game, you know. I think when that game first came out, it was it was like a hundred dollars or something like that, and it was like you had to buy all the DLC and all that stuff in one, oh. and that must not have worked out for them. I, I remember it being like crazy expensive at the top, but well, some of the I mean, I, I know like some of those anime games, like they did this for like um, Super Robot Wars, where like if you want to have the one that has all the intros from the actual show, you got to pay like over a hundred dollars for it, which I'm like, Oh, that, I'm like, that, that kind of sucks. Like for me, like that's a big, you know, we talked about it in the episode, like the intros and outros are a huge part of the show. So I bought one of those, like uh one, one piece, um, you know, one of the one piece games and none, and none of the music from the game was, was from the show was in there. And that really disappointed me because I really liked the songs from there. And I felt like it took a lot away, away from it. Also, I felt like it didn't have the personality of the show either. Like, I don't, I don't know, the, the, like, CG, whatever, the video game versions of the characters were not, like, as, like, animated and as fun as they were on the show. Like, it, I didn't feel like it had the the same feeling as the TV show did. So, you know. Mm. And, and you're supposed to play through all of the all of the stories, and I was like, oh, cool, like, this will remind me of all the stuff that I love, but it did not have the feeling of the show whatsoever. I was like, eh, no, this is, the the, the emotion is not there, and, and they're not really animating it well. I want to mention one other weird show that I found on on Crunchyroll, which I gave it a look for a couple of minutes. But um, I'm like I said uh, previously, like last week when I went to the anime convention, I felt like the the video game guy at the anime convention. So at Crunchyroll, I'm like the video game guy on Crunchyroll. So I, I typed in Nintendo and see just to see what would pop up. Right, you find a lot and, of video game anime on there. 
Well, I found one in particular that's called, uh, by typing in Nintendo, it's called, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, uh, Aoi Sekai, Sekai no Chushin Dei. Okay, so, and this is, here's the description for this one. The Nintendo Empire and the Segwa Kingdom have been locked in a war for supremacy over the land of consume for many years. The powerful Nintendo Empire, under the leadership of Marcus with many excellent killers possessing various special abilities, has gained the upper hand in the struggle, occupying the majority of consume as well as the surrounding nations. The Segwa Kingdom has been left with no plausible option but to fight defensively until the arrival of gear drastically turns the tides. So they've turned Nintendo versus Sega into a literal like war anime. The console wars are a little war in this literal war in this anime. Yeah, I, I was trying to find the That's post awesome. that we did on Slack, but this reminds me a lot of uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia, which is a, which is a, a video game series and an anime as well. It's been around forever. Like I had the I had one of them on PlayStation Three, but I think there was a bunch that existed before that. But this is a similar thing where there are three characters, like three anime girls, that represent like that represented the three uh, back when there were. Well, I guess like represented the four back when there were four companies. Like we have uh, Neptune, who is like Sega. Obviously, is like the Sega Saturn, uh, Sega Dreamcast person. We have Loi, which is like the Wii. We have like the lean box, which is the Xbox and the lay station is like the PlayStation. And there's these four women who represent like the, the four different video game companies and they all kind of fight and they, and, and the place that they live in is called game industry. Like that's what it's called game <laughs> industry, but spelled differently, like with an I instead of a Y. So it's, it's very, it very much reminded me of uh, Neptunia and that one's kind of like, you know, like what if Sega didn't actually did succeed and didn't like, you know, didn't like leave the console war and all that. That's kind of like what, cause it is a Sega made thing. So they kind of like want to, wanted you to believe that Dreamcast was a success and that they still can exist within the other. And, and I thought it was kind of funny. It, it, it sort of shows like, I don't know. It's they're, they're kind of like making fun of like a American, uh, ideals or whatever i guess somewhat because because the xbox character has like gigantic boobs and and low Wii is like this really skinny tiny like uh character you know because she's supposed to be this tiny ass Wii that has no graphical uh compa- compatibility or whatever you know like uh that's kind of what i what i gathered from it so yeah whatever uh, <laughs> I bought one of the games for PS3, and I didn't like the battle system, so it was hard for me to get into it. But there's like ten of those on Switch, a whole bunch of like hyperdimension Neptunia games on there. But uh, didn't you didn't you get a package in the mail? Like I forgot that's on there. You should open it. And I did. You, unless you, are I can open that right now. And one more thing. Open it up. That I wanted to mention after that, but here is the package. Let's see what's it look this like. This is, is from it... Trey. This is the last part of the Christmas gifts. Is it super tiny? Like hold it in front of the thing. Uh, it's not super tiny. It's about a okay. foot long, maybe a little over seems, a foot. That seems about right, I guess. Yeah, maybe I thought it was a little bit longer, but whatever. Opening the package. We should do a compilation of all our package opening opening sounds. ASMR. You can you can do that on your own time. Yeah, you're done editing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I spend enough time right. on this show. This looks like a scroll. It is, in a way. Yeah, so it's fabric and got a piece of wood at the end and it's all rolled up and taped up i'm untaping it yep here right next to the mic (laughs) and this is what tape sounds like 
This is Ira Glass from This is American Life. Have you ever been ripping tape off of a thing you got in the mail? Well, that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> is, that, is that like a YouTube person that does that? I was trying to do it in my Ira Glass impression. I'm not that good at it. But... I'm curious okay. as, how, as to how... The yeah. scroll is going to be dramatically unfurled. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Can you see it? Whoa. That's cool. I don't know what it is. It's a, oh, it's Zelda. It is a, Whoa, it, is a it is an Ocarina of Time Zelda scroll, and I think it came from nice. Japan because uh, I, mean, I don't know. Check the address on it, but it took like much longer than I expected, so I th- thought it came from Japan. That's one two three Japan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is a Japanese. Uh, I, I I don't know. I have a ton of these wall scrolls in my room There's here. Seria. It's very cool. But uh, you know, Ocarina of Time is your favorite Zelda game, so now you have you. a wall scroll of your favorite Zelda game. So there it is. That's sweet. Thank you. And you don't have to worry about framing that. You can just hang it up as is. You just oh, you just need a you just need a nail, and there you go. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate this. this yeah, this there's, is cool. a, there's a Goron on there. Like it, it looks. I thought it looked cool. That's yeah, cool. I like that. It's kind of the canvas looks kind of aged, like not not in a bad way, in a good way. It looks like like a you know an old timey scroll. This is this is cool. Like it's historic and important or whatever. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, the wall wall scrolls are fun. Uh, it was um. That was kind of my theme this year was buying a decoration was buying video game art stuff for people. Like I bought, I bought like a Pokemon scroll for, for my niece or one of my nieces. And I bought a breath of the wild scroll for my nephew. I bought a, I bought a, a, a animal crossing 3ds picture for Jess that we have. Uh, it's like a, a framed one. It's cool. It has all the different seasons. It's like four, it's like four boxes of the four different seasons. And it's an, it's, it's a, it's a new leaf one but i thought it was one of the coolest looking animal crossing uh framed pictures that i could find well that's our favorite one isn't it yeah well, well that's the, yeah that's i mean yeah they played a lot more than of that one than than the other one but no no i just i it was one of those that i thought about getting for one of my nieces actually and i got something different but i liked it so much that i bought it for jess because i was like hey I, I just like this one the when this the way this one looks and we got an animal crossing calendar also and what was it? I thought I got another, and then I got the stuff for John too, like the 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 Sonic the Sonic poster and the and the and the Zelda thing. So I thought, you know, my my niece like we went to her apartment and they have nothing on the walls whatsoever. So I'm like, I'm buying you something to put on your walls because your apartment's boring as fuck. So you're getting a fucking Pokemon poster. It's a sign that says your apartment's boring <laughs> as fuck. They're probably hardly ever there. They probably like are out hanging out with other people all the time because they're young like no, I, I know i know they, really they, they, my... they don't do anything they don't go anywhere oh i never decorated my first couple apartments i lived in yeah no it's uh yeah and uh and my and my nephew like that my sister just like moved into a brand new house so like they haven't really decorated anything so i got that you know and i know he played a lot of breath of the wild and all that stuff so and breath of the wild so so yeah that was the theme there for that sort of thing thank you i'm gonna find a good spot for that so and you know you got your new apartment with all your arcades and all that you put some put some video game art on the walls some legit, legitimate uh, video game stuff so you can be like hey look at that um, I guess uh, there's not really there's not really a whole lot of news to talk about but I think there, we can talk about a couple things before we go I think number one this is a rumor but I think it might be real I, I don't think you put it on here but well, I do want to mention real quick before we continue on to the news I actually went to a live wrestling event this week uh, this was a uh... Sanctuary Fight Club in Detroit, and uh, Trey, I think you'd appreciate this. So sometime, uh, sometime you got to come out to one of these. It's not that far from Chicago to over here, but this is a, it was a big deal because they sold out for the first time. Like they've been 
growing over the last couple of years. This started in 2019 by my friend, Rich, one of my best friends since you know 30 years ago at this point. And uh, he's been in wrestling for such a long time. And so it was like really cool to be there, uh, you know, on, on any night, but on that night in particular, the first night that they sold out, the energy was like really high in the room. And, and uh, I just encourage anybody who lives in the Detroit area, uh, it's, it's worth it. Uh, come on, drive down, you know, if you got to come out from wherever you're at, two, three hours away, whatever, I think it's totally worth it. Come out to Sanctuary. Uh, the next show is on Sunday, March 5th in Hamtramck. And you're going to have a real good time. It's like, you know, uh, independent wrestling. It's more exciting than the WWE stuff. And, and you get to experience it live like you're there practically. You're practically in the ring. So it's it's, um, it's a, a punk club called Sanctuary in Detroit. Uh, they have a capacity of 144. And so you're kind of like right there in the show. You've never really been a part of something quite like that, uh, especially if you've not been into wrestling. I just encourage you to come give it a try. So it's a check it out. it's a smaller venue, so you can be much closer to the ring. Yep. So there's yeah, there, and 144 that seems, you know, so the, well, I mean, little compared to the bigger ones, but it's more intimate and better. Because Definitely more intimate. It's intimate to the point where, where before the action spills out into the ring, like the rest the 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 refs have to like push people away mm. and there'll be times like the wrestlers like you know the one guy will be kind of dizzy up on the, in the in the ring and then he'll shout out to the crowd move you'll get the fuck out of the way get the fuck out of the way and then he throws mm. the guy out into the crowd because if he didn't do that you would yeah <laughs> you'd have a 250 pound man come come flying your way yeah yeah so that's that's all part of the fun though it was it was just it's really really cool to just be like so close that you're in it yeah, I'd like to go to one at some point. Definitely not the March one, but maybe another one. Unless I get work there. Yeah, they do them every time. two months. So if anybody listening in the Detroit area, if you can't make the March one, just count on every two months. You can go to sanctuaryfightclub.com to see uh, their whole schedule of shows. Cool. Well, let's talk about a couple news things before we uh, get the fuck out of here. News and news, news, news. Don't snooze or you miss the news. Did you see, um, I guess this just like hit today, but... You know, there's a big rumor going on that GoldenEye, GoldenEye will be the game of the month for uh, Nintendo Switch Online 64. Sounds about right. Because I've I've been kind of curious, like, what's the deal? Why it's been a while since they announced that, and then uh, they just went sad. Well, just any Nintendo 64 games. Yeah, most of the time, when whenever I see, like, rumor stuff, I'm like, eh, you know, that, that, most of the time they're just blowing smoke up your ass. But I thought that this one could be a possibility because... You know, it was. It said 2023. Well, the Japanese Direct said 2023 when it was coming out. And yeah, we haven't heard anything about Nintendo Switch Online for a while. Uh, Nintendo almost always does a Direct in February. You know, February's pretty close. So actually, they would they would have already it would have already happened before that. But uh, maybe they'll have a Direct in January and say about it. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, we haven't seen any Nintendo 64 games since they released the two Mario Parties, and that was in November. So then they did nothing in December. So it's kind of like we had no dates for all the other ones that were coming out. I'm saying there's a good possibility, is, is all I'm saying. You know, I, I say that that rumor could happen. And then we would have to play online and, and shoot mm-hmm. each other or whatever. And and remember how bad that game is. But remember it because of sweaty friends or something. Jeremy said something about that when we talked about it before. But yeah, there's that. Um, was it a... 
I don't know when it is. Uh, AEW Fight Forever is going to be part of IGN Fan Fest, Fan Fest 2023. Um, Dan Housen is actually going to be there. It's like it's Dan Housen, uh, Nyla Rose, and Evil Uno will be the, the three people, the three wrestlers that'll be there. Which actually, um, if anybody watches like the stream, like the A, the, I forget what it's called. Um, they they have they have a Twitch channel where they play games, and actually, Evil Uno and Nyla Rose are on there all the time. And Nyla Rose has her own streaming channel as well. Which I which I've watched, but yeah, I guess um, I I saw people like you know seeing like what what questions do you want us to ask the wrestle wrestlers for this game and everybody is like release date release date release date like what the fuck is going on like release date <laughs> and I saw recently um from uh from from Monster Brunch on Twitter who is like my uh person who who uh, will find all of the news about the AW game like no matter where it is. Uh, most recent interview with uh, Tony Khan, the owner of uh, AEW, said that it's coming very soon. That's the newest thing. Very soon. That it's it made it sound like it was done, and then it's about to come. Sounds out. pretty soon. It's like if it's very soon, why don't you just give us a date? I mean, maybe they just don't have an actual date, or I think maybe they want to do it like with a pay per view, or they want to like have it, you know, revealed. Maybe they want to do it in a Nintendo Direct or something like that. But that's like the newest thing. Is it's very soon. I'm like. Maybe they want to do it on Nintendo Main. I'm like, dude, Just yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Hey, Tony Khan, like, uh, Jeremy knows your dad. Like, let's uh, let's come, <laughs> let's come, uh, come hang out and talk to us. That would be pretty. I would love to have Tony Khan on this on this on this show. Like, he's very. Just watch that guy talk. Like, he's very very uh, passionate about everything. He's got a he's got a way of saying things, and I like it. He gets. I I missed uh, whenever when whenever you would go see a live thing in Chicago and he would come out like it would it was cool to see him like announce everything because he's very excited about everything, or just or, or just watch those videos of when CM Punk said all that shit and you could just watch his heart break like in the middle of if you ever watched those things before the fight before the fight happened, the other side of Tony Khan but yeah say we can get him on with a barbecue hookup I, I can handle that but yeah that's I mean yeah I just just give me a date damn it. I'm still holding on for it being a February release. How long have you been talking about this game now? Two years? AEW? Well, Forever. I mean, it, it was announced when, like, the, when it first, I mean, they, they announced that Ukes was going to do it, I thought, like, a long-ass time ago. Or and they said, and they got the original director of, uh, who worked on the 64 games on there. Like, that was a long time ago, too. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been in development for a long time. And like I said, AEW has no video game to represent the Federation, so... All the fans, we really want it because there's a lot they of people. They must just want to get it perfect, you know. Yeah. Maybe they're following the Miyamoto philosophy. Sure, but I mean, we want like something, you know. I mean, aside from, aside from like, there's a good chance it won't get delayed till next year, you know. <laughs> it seems like what mm-hmm. they're saying. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go here? Oh, this looks really cool. So there's a new controller out there, which I'm I'm really interested in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the GameCube company NYXI. They revealed a GameCube inspired controller. It looks like the Wavebird. Well, kind of. I mean, just the kind of like the just, just that it, it looks more like the Wavebird than it does the the original GameCube controller. But it's got all the GameCube theme, you know, the indigo and the yellow and the yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it doesn't. I wouldn't. It, it just it just basically looks like it has the shape of the GameCube controller without a mm-hmm. without a cord. But the Wavebird was was gray, and um, was gray. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't purple. Um, it didn't, they, they basically, they, you know, they're trying to fix some of it. Like they, I think they made the control pad a little bit bigger, which is fine. Cause the control pad was really small on the original GameCube controller. Also, they changed the C stick to be more of an analog stick instead of the C stick. Cause the C stick was like a nipple thing that had like a little, like tiny mm-hmm. thing on the top that you moved around. That wasn't really a great joystick. I would say it's more, uh, 
a GameCube, like it says, a GameCube-inspired controller. Like, I don't think it's actually... You don't want that layout for just about anything that's not a GameCube game. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I think it's kind of cool. I did think about it. I was like, well, you know, like, because it snaps off and it puts on the side, and that's cool. Mm -hmm. But the problem for me is... uh, I love my GameCube. I just, I just hate, I hate where the where the digital pad is. It makes it really hard to play any fighting game well with it there. That's why I want it. That's why I always want it up top. I want the digital pad on the top and the analog stick on the bottom, so you can, so you can play those fighting games well if you want. Yeah, that's to. true. It would have been nice if they made if it made it so you could swap those or something like that. You can actually replace the the joysticks, and you know they've got some kind of. Uh, you know, premium qualities to this controller. Yeah, it's supposed to like not the, drift too. It's supposed to not drift. It's got the magnetic, you know, contacts or whatever, whatever they call that. So this looks like a pretty good, good option. It's called Hall Effect joysticks, and I was wondering what that is. I'm like Hall Effect, and in my head, I'm thinking like, what the fuck's that mean? And then, and it's named after the guy that came up with the mechanism. His last name's Hall, but yeah, it's magnetic. So for whatever reason, that there's no drifting as a result. I don't know why, but. If it's the solution to drifting forever, then I'm all about it. Sure. Yeah. Like this controller that I got, it has that. Hall effect. It's supposed to not drift also. Yeah, it doesn't drift. And you you can honestly feel the difference. Like there's no friction when you're moving it around. So, yeah, that's one thing that I do like about about this controller. Uh, I was considering doing the GameCube. These are supposed to not drift. I did not think about the the D-pad issue. That's one thing to consider. I guess this one, uh, this these ones that I bought the the Nixie ones or the Beanbach, whatever you want to call them, they have uh, they have the they also have the you know, this one the digital pad is lower, but it's not as low. I'm probably gonna wait the until they come out with the oats effect joysticks. The oats effect, what's that? Yeah, like hollow notes because there's like hollow effect. Mm. Oh, dang <laughs> it, oats make make a joystick. I didn't know that was a, a feature of the new eight bit dough. Um, it is. Yep. Do you, is that your controller of choice now when you play on the TV? No, I still like the other one just because uh-huh. you know, this one is the Xbox shape, the Xbox design, which uh-huh. I didn't really have any, I didn't have that much experience with. But um, turns out, like, I think it was a gift, right? game like Sifu, mm-hmm. like the controller becomes very hard to hold on to for me. Uh-huh. That might just be an issue of you know the size of my hands. Maybe it's mm-hmm. comfortable for other people. I think it's a great controller otherwise, but. I just find it hard to hold on to in intense moments. I think uh, I think we should end it with talking about the new Super Mario World stuff. That's, oh yeah, that's happening because there is a there's some more about that, right? Uh, I did I did look I did look World, through yep. the um I looked through the restaurant stuff. Uh, the food looks yeah. better than I thought it would be. You know, it's uh, so this week. Um, they, 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 they had they a media some, preview for yeah. for Super Nintendo World, so a bunch of different outlets have reported on. On uh, on on Super Nintendo World, um, I got one from Attractions Magazine. Uh, you know, it was cool. They were showing different details and stuff that that uh, I hadn't seen before. Uh, Polygon did one as well, and uh, one specific uh, reporting was about the the restaurant. The restaurant just looks really cool. I want to go there and just eat everything. Yeah, I want to try. I mean, like uh, I, I was showing it. I showed it to Jess, and we were kind of just talking about it. I want, I want to try the, the mushroom soup. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever had, I don't think I've ever had soup from a theme park, so I'm not really expecting much, but it looked, it looked okay. Um, Are they little red mushrooms with white dots in there in your soup? No, I'm just saying I've never been able to buy soup from a theme park, so 
Okay. Take that what you will. Like, I mean, I don't think it's going to be yeah, the best. Yeah, check out Dollywood sometimes. Do they have soup there? Oh, yeah. They have, like, all that <laughs> they got, uh They got, like, um, I don't know, one of those country, I don't know what a country soup is. I was trying to Gravy. think of whatever uh, whatever that one. Whatever <laughs> that, soup. Whatever that one fucking soup is. Um, gumbo. That's kind of country, right? I think a gumbo, uh, gumbo would Cajun. be a country-ish soup. Yeah, it's more French. Yeah. French Cajun. Oh, whatever. But yeah, no, I thought it looked kind of cool. The uh, the Mario Burger that has mushrooms on it. That's all right. I mm-hmm. wish they had, um, you know, ones with giant mushrooms. Actual, like, you know, mushroom burgers that have mushrooms as meat. They're tasty. The big, the big. Yeah, ones. that'd be nice. But yeah, no, I mean, it looked better. It looked, it looked kind of like, kind of like a mix of what you see in like the Japanese cafes, like the themed cafes mixed with mm-hmm. like better food, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. it's like not as bad as like you know. Some of the stuff that we saw, like the Square Cafe, where it's like a pancake with an edible 16-bit uh, Lodo Sprite or whatever on the top, like that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, it looks all right. You know, I I, I wanted to try that uh, that Toad Short Rib actually. That looked real tasty. And I don't really like short rib, but I would try the the Toad Short Rib that was on there. I, mean, I feel like all Toad's ribs are short. He's a pretty little guy. Yeah, maybe that's why they <laughs> called it that. I don't know. But yeah, no, it was it was like I was like, oh, you know, these, these I would try it. You know. I, I, I try them out. I, I'm kind of upset that um, my favorite guy, Luigi, has to have a giant fucking... I guess I could take it out of there. I really don't like green peppers, so... <laughs> it has like a giant-ass green bell pepper in the middle there. And it's chicken, What's too. his food? Uh, the Luigi burger has a giant green bell pepper, pesto, and grilled chicken. I really don't like chicken, so... I mean, I think chicken's just boring. I don't like necessarily hate it. Well, Luigi is chicken. That makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean... Mm-hmm. Chicken with a giant green. It's just like I, I don't want to spend money on that. But the Mario Burger looks okay, and it's got a little mustache on top of it. The piranha, the piranha plant uh, Capri salad is like has some cool presentation stuff to it, where like it has like the actual tomatoes cut like a little mouth and all that. Okay, so I'm putting this out there. If there's not an official cookbook from Super Nintendo World, somebody needs to go ahead and do it. Like put together the whole. I think somebody will. Yeah, somebody would definitely will. Or someone will at least do a YouTube channel where they're trying to recreate those recipes. That could be fun. They will. Everybody does. I'm excited for Super Nintendo World. And I might be going to Los Angeles soon. I was supposed to go actually this week. But, yeah, as I say, aren't you supposed um, to go there? Yeah, it got postponed. So maybe it's fortuitous. Maybe, maybe I will be going around the time the Super Nintendo World is open. I don't know. I'm hoping. That would be pretty sweet if I got scheduled to go you know I, I might stay an extra day and go to super nintendo world that would be cool then we could talk about that it that would be cool you could go on, that, on the ground on that one uh, mario kart ride that looks cool but yeah i think that's uh that's good for me for the news i'm sure there's going to be something that happens tomorrow or something that i'll be like why don't we talk about that but we had that big interview so we didn't really need news no that's, that's, that's we got like a new nintendo game yeah we got we got any interview we got guy. any escape so go get that mm-hmm. go get any escape if you made it this long. Five bucks. And if you made it this long, also go check out patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast where you can hear all our bonus shows. And actually, uh, po- as of posted as of right now, uh, you can listen to the best of 2022 WART radio episode has been posted on all the feeds. It's on the Patreon and the free feed. So you can listen to that beautiful three and a half hour uh, rock and playlist of the best of 2022. I was very happy with it. I actually... I was so excited about it that I started listening to it on my own right after I posted it because I was like, "This is a good, this is a good playlist." So, if you want to hear what uh, what was I what I thought were the best songs that we used 
they were all used in Nintendo main podcasts and expansion pack episodes. You can listen to that. And I made sure to include at least one song from every expansion pack that we did last year. So there's 12 songs on there, at least from the expansion packs. So if you hear a song that you're like, this song is from 2022, that's why, because it's from the expansion pack that we did based on that. So that's how that happened. Because I did a full year of those extra WRT radios, which you can listen to only on the Patreon. But you can get a taste of it on the free feed now. So check that out. A nice long playlist for work or play. It's a good playlist. There's a lot of there's a lot of hot jams on there. Um, also, uh, YouTube.com slash Podcast is where you can find my top 10 best of 2022 video on there. Watch, watch me uh, make a fool of myself on there. But I think it was pretty funny and a lot of fun uh, video game jokes in there. Also, um, twitter.com, uh, whatever, uh, at Nintendo underscore domain and at jmaxtack, we're on Twitter. And also uh, twitch.tv slash Nintendo Main Podcast. I will stream sometime. I was going to stream this week, but I was feeling anxious about things that are happening next week, so I didn't get to it. But I definitely won't be doing it next week, but someday I will do it again. I swear. I will, whenever I get Resident Evil 7, I'll play it on there or something. <laughs> But uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks everybody for listening to us, and uh, make sure and check out any escape and Khan games. And we've been your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson, Jerry Mikowski, John Nutter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. See you later, scissors friends. <laughs>